Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. Joining me today is uh, the usual crew that we've got. Uh, we've got Josh Torres and Adam Vitilli. How are you doing, gentlemen? Yo, we're a month away from E3. It's it's coming fast. Is it to the day? I For some yeah, reason, I thought it was the a little day later. Record, yeah, as of the end of this recording. Yeah, in about 30 days. Yes, this, showtime. this is the May 13, 2017 edition. So yes, one month from now... It's already Judges Week. This past week was E3 Judges Week, and so I'm mm-hmm. curious to see what they got to see. Uh, typically, all they do get to see is the games that are going to be playable at, in some fashion. They don't really get to find out about the uh, you know the secret announcements unless you know they've got their insider knowledge, uh, people who are willing to tell them under embargo. But for the most part, it seems like everyone is kind of getting fully prepared here. Of course, we'll get our last minute requests for meetings and all that stuff but it's yeah we've been we've been setting up the appointments and all that so it's things are happening yeah we've got the the typical gears are turning yeah the typical companies are willing to talk with us it sounds like you know nice america xseed axis uh bandai namco all of them square enix of course all all the big companies are going to be there in some fashion and from what i hear it's actually nice america's got a little step up they're going to be sharing a booth with atlas and sega Oh, it's kind of crazy oh. considering their history, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of awesome that that's happening. Um, means they actually have something to show. And uh, Idea Factory even said, well, okay, Idea Factory won't really be at E3, but Anime Expo, they did say on their Twitter account that they've got some big announcements coming. I joked with Josh because we've heard from uh, Nice American Access already that Idea Factory has got a license to one of the Falcom games, but people would love that. I would, yeah. I would love to hear about it. <laughs> Honestly, after Nice America, I think anyone's like, okay, it's fair game. Apparently, anybody can get any of the games because there's nothing that Exceed has got full, you know, exclusivity over anymore. Yeah. Who knows how the contracts work out for that? But obviously, Falcom's more than willing to, you know, get more of their games out here in a timely fashion. So if that, uh, you know, if that requires uh, different publishers, then so be it. Apparently, their latest fiscal year report came out, and they did way better than expected. So it seems to be working for them pretty well. Yeah, and I'm happy. And you know, we're not that long off from having Cold Steel on PC, which, of course, uh, history tells us does very well for those games that didn't get a chance to appear on the platform before. Because you've got Vakira Chronicles, obviously. Then you've got Bayonetta came out recently, and that apparently did way better than the console releases ever did. Oh, really? I think they wow. got like 700,000, I think they recently said. Uh, and that was like the first week. I mean, it's not been that long since that came out. And then, of course, yeah. Sega announced that. Well, not Bayonetta, only that, yeah. not only Bayonetta. that, but the Cold Steel games yeah, on yeah. PS3 came out in what 2015, yeah, uh, or 16 at the very beginning of 2016 was the second one, um, I think. Yeah, and you know, yeah. at least in Europe. But and, so, like, they came out on PS3, PS3. very, very late. <laughs> yeah, that's and Vita, I guess. Unless you want to mess with PlayStation Now or something like that, you're not going to really have an opportunity to play that if you got if PlayStation 4, for example, is your first Sony platform. And so, yeah, it's coming to PC, but then we hear Sega's, of course, releasing Vanquish, and that seemed inevitable, um, and that's yeah, cool. Yeah, just came out. Uh, yeah, I, I was trying to remember, like, Bayonetta only got a remastered, or not even remastered, like a kind of like a more finalized port version of it because the, the Wii U. Bayonetta 2 yeah, ne- yeah. never got anything on his console. And yeah, the Vanquish on PC, that's the uh, news that came out this week. That's 
very cool you know that's something people much... have been asking for for a long time yeah. yes and, and it's a it's a, it's a good time to actually bring that out because of, of course not only you know making a, another old platinum game ip relevant again but you know the technology you know can really support like making that thing look gorgeous like they said 4k support is coming for it unlock frame rates and yeah. then you have you know ssao and all the usual uh pc settings that you know it they did a great job with Bayonetta, mm-hmm. um, and then seeing them go even go beyond that with Vanquishes, it's exciting. Sega's ports, starting with like Valkyria Chronicles a couple of years ago now, they seem to put a lot of effort and care into them. Yeah, so that's that's, that's always nice. Very refreshing to see, as always. Yeah, at least the companies to work with. Uh, um, pr- tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't didn't Platinum themselves handle the uh, the Bayonetta port? Or... I don't think it, oh. they they handled it themselves. I think oh. it's actually like the team who did the Valkyria Chronicles, if I remember correctly. This is what I heard from other people, but I I don't think Platinum. I think the only Platinum game support that they did themselves was Near Automata. Yeah, yeah because yeah, what was the other one? <laughs> yeah, um, did they, did they ever fix one. the resolution thing, or is it, it just I, a I, mod I hear for it? I hear that a recent patch read, like just within this past maybe week or two, like they released like a small patch for just for the full screen, like bug fix, but like nothing else. So people still rely on the on the far mod, uh, for it. But it's it's kind of disappointing to see that like you know the support for that for that piece release isn't really there. It's a very excellent game, but I'm just a little bummed out that you know the the PC support is. I feel it's kind of weak. It's kind of funny. Did you you read that recent story? I think Kotaku put it up about the uh, maybe it was a different site um, that the modder who tried to fix Nier Automata on PC he put in some code where if you uh, check a box saying that you didn't pirate the game if it turns out you did it keeps bugging you and bugging you and bugging you and bugging you for the entire yeah, time it's like an yes, anti-piracy thing mod. yeah like the, the main modder who did that and you know i mean that's it's it's up to him you know that's it. he's the creator of the mod and he really wants people to go support the game like hey you you, you pirated this please support the game if you really want to keep on using this mod and you know i mean i, I think that's, that's if, fair if game. he's the creator and put all the effort into it and yeah so yeah, yeah. it just raised a lot of Issues it, it, about yeah, inputting some weird, almost malware into it. It, 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 it always, yeah, it, it's always uh, causes that weird, like you know. I think people are kind of like justified to be scared. It's like, what kind of like server is this communicating with for you to even go check that? And also that like it also follows. This isn't like a new thing either, because you know many games in the past have like done like anti-piracy things inside their releases that like say, hey, you reach this part, and or, or some game with a bug out because like there's there are like you know fail safes in place that like kind of need to go through like certification authentication servers for some sort of communications. Like, is this legit or not? I think the broader problem would be like, why do you care? <laughs> why do you even bother? Let the company deal. The publisher yeah, deal with that. I mean, don't let yeah. the modder try to input his own like police on it. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't. Like, I don't. I like that. he's he's free to do whatever he wants, and if he wants people to support the game, and so he puts in his own anti-piracy measure, that's you know that's up to him. But it's just gonna feel like <laughs> it really isn't your problem to be yeah. worried about. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, it's like it's very going up and uh, like going beyond. Like you know, I mean, it's it's a weird thing, but you know, people have different values on that stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, obviously you shouldn't pirate, and that's fucked up if anyone does, for especially for a game as quality uh, as high quality as Nier. Uh, I can I can see it like yeah, I can see like there's like there's no demo like using piracy is like a sort of demo but you know as or if like if you know if that uh product isn't available in your com- country and there's no way to actually like you know get that game in your country i can see that side of it too but i, I always try to you know 
encourage people like if you can support the developers go do it you know yeah. they'd always appreciate it even if you get it on sale even if you get it really cheap you know just kind of just a little something yeah i mean we're not here to of course patronize people who do one way or the other but the good news is at least it seems like in the past year or so uh games new games tend to drop in price pretty dramatically uh, yeah. just a few months later so i think like even fries had Nintendo. um fries had tales of Berseria for like 16 dollars this like this weekend so uh that was only came out like four months ago so that's kind of how it's yeah I, I think green man gaming had like uh mass effect and drama for like almost 30 30 35 dollars like yeah yeah, yeah. So they're they're dropping down on price fast. So if you can hold out for like three to four months, you're good to go. <laughs> don't buy games new unless it's like super rare. Like you don't expect to get it later. Like Gravity Rush Remastered apparently like Puyo, is up Puyo to like Tetris seventy, eighty bucks. Uh, if you want to get Puyo Puyo Tetris on PS4, that's physical only. There are limited <laughs> copies out there, so that's definitely something you want to grab fast. And but that's also retailing for cheap as well. Yeah, I expect that to be just like Gravity Rush Remastered, uh, just <laughs> rocket up in price. So anyway, let's get on to the podcast itself before we get to the news of the week, uh, which isn't a whole lot, just a fair warning. Let's talk about the games that we've been playing. Now, Josh. Should I start or should Josh? Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get to, hey. um, we'll go in order of what we've got the listed here. I, how about, yeah, how about you start, Josh, and then we'll get to the meat of what this, this whole section is going to be is mostly Adam, but <laughs> let's get to Josh first. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really been picking up any new games lately. It's kind of like that weird pre-E3 thing that, like, I it, there's, like, a big event on the horizon. I don't want to commit to anything too much. I mean, I'm, I'm finishing up Dragon Quest Heroes 2. It should be done in a little bit. And, I'll, and I'll to be play. clear, you're going to E3, so it's... Yeah. yeah. yeah it's so not just, like, a fandom getting excited yeah, for it. It's, like, actual travel, and, actual travel and... Uh, yeah, so there's just a lot of logistics and all that. So people take so a week a off of for E3. It just doesn't make any sense to me unless they're going. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there, there are people like very excited that we can. It's hard to actually focus like on work itself because Fair that's. Enough. I can, Fair yeah, enough. I can, I can see that. And then, so you know, it's kind of like their mini vacation. Uh, it's, just, it's an so, excuse, yeah. I can. Oh, they yeah. want to watch Nintendo Treehouse all week or whatever. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> uh, and so I'm, I'll have a review up for that soon. It's, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's okay. I, I, it's better than the first gameplay. I already went through this whole thing, but yeah. it's yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of revisited Gundam Breaker Three a little bit uh, because I kind of got super excited over the new announcement of they're going to have a new something for Gundam Build Fighters uh, with a season one cast, which I really really like. Uh, so I kind of booted that up. I have all the DLC. The the break edition for that came out, which is basically the base game and all the DLC packed it into. Uh, like for the price of like it being new, but except with all the DLC coming with it, and you know all the DLC for that is uh, pretty substantial because it adds a lot of new parts to mess around with and mix and match. So I kind of like made this like awful monstrosity, uh, which uh, uh, had like uh, like horse legs uh, from G Gundam, the Funsaiki, and um, having like a big ass rocket booster from Gundam Thunderbolt, and it just looks it just looks like a hot mess, and that's what I like to make in those games, is like. It doesn't have to look good. It just has to look personally acceptable. <laughs> and I just want a new Armored Core, to be honest. Yeah. I don't, that, I don't know why you're talking yeah. about this. It's just making make me think of Armored Core. It, it is like kind of like my my substitution for Armored Core and uh, and Diablo right now. It's a, it's a weird mix of that, and it, it it's soothing to me. Um, and then uh, just last night, uh, I Garo, Mark of the Wolves, uh, came out... Uh, like just to speak uh, for the Nintendo Switch, so I grabbed that off the eShop. Uh, I haven't uh, gotten any of the Neo Geo titles 
on the Switch, so I was like, okay, this should be probably my first. It's like one of my fighting games, favorite fighting games ever. So I I played that way too much last night. I went to sleep like around two to three in the morning because I was playing that. Um, it, it works well. I mean, it's it's hard to fuck up these ports. Um, controls well. It's kind of getting getting used to the actually controlling a fighting game other than Nintendo Switch controller. Um, as, and the, I, as the D-pad. <laughs> Did you even try it with the controller? I'm, I'm not even trying it with the D-pad. Yeah. I tried it a little bit, and I was like, this is too fucking weird, man. I can do the motions, but it's just like, my, my thumb just kind of, it's not like agile enough to like, get to like each and every single like part of it. Like I, I always feel like I'm like pressing multiple ones if I, like, I, I hit a button. It's not like it's not thin and accurate enough. Did you say so like, your your thumb isn't agile enough? <laughs> just the yeah, idea, well, like working on your agility. Yeah, yeah. He just, he he just presses the whole D pad all at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my, oh. my thumb doesn't have. I need to update my dexterity stat for my my left thumb for that. <laughs> yeah, um, right. yeah. So, but I, it, it was cool. Like I I went in for an oil change this morning, and then so like there was kind of like a long line, like a car line in there. So I like I just busted out my switch and just started fucking going through. Uh, Terry's campaign, and I was just like, "Man, this is kind of amazing," and uh, oh, I really, I really dig it. So, I mean, I have all the accessories for my Switch ready to go. I'll bring that to E3. I don't know if I'll bring that to AX, but you know, on the downtime, I might. I, I keep on thinking maybe I should get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and or Blaster Master Zero and or Foes on that thing. Those are like my top yeah. three like things I'm thinking about of getting on it. I think, like, just by default, Mario Kart seems like the go-to, right? Because it's yeah. got so much content. Apparently, it's ex- like it's packed to the gills with content, so it might mm-hmm. be just a good go-to for, you know, breaks in between other games. Oh, and or Puyo Puyo Tetris, yeah. just to have it on. Mar- Fuck, man. I think there's, like, the first, like, uh, con- console-slash-handheld thing that I'll go fully digital with outside of like breath of the wild physical maybe I, because i just it just feels so much more convenient having your games loaded in there already instead of like swapping out cards yeah. especially for this like especially for this kind of device yeah space is always an issue but yeah. like even on like the even on like the 3ds or vita it's nice to you know all right i have my vita what game do i want to play and yeah there you have like several different PSX or PSP or Vita games to choose from, so that's where digital is nice. Way better than the Vita because you can actually use micro SD cards, right? On, which uh, are much Switch. much more <laughs> yeah, was... uh, affordable. Oh yeah, yeah that's why, that's why I'm considering it more now because the Vita is like I, I kind of have to like do physical with some things because I only have like a. I think I started out with like um, a 16 gigabyte for the Vita, then I went to 64. No, yeah, 64, but that was pricey as fuck. And oh man, Vita memory cards are I, the prices for them never really went down, huh? Nope. No, nope. I mean, at least you can still use it for like remote play, but that's kind of all it's really great for at this point, other than the uh, re- the short amount of games that still come to it, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all I'm uh, kind of kind of been playing, quote unquote, playing, yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that, I, I was traveling games. the other week, and yeah. my brother has a Switch, and he was playing Mario Kart. And you know, that's kind of a. He actually prefers. He was actually talking about he prefers playing Mario Kart when he's traveling because it, it, it's it doesn't require so much. He preferred that to like Zelda. It's just a little bit easier as like a time waster game to like do a couple of races type of thing, mm-hmm. rather than Zelda, where it requires some little bit more, I guess, thought in terms of like what I want to be doing right now, yeah. or where do I want to be, um, like. Forget your place when you the leave it. Thing. Yeah, things like that. So the Mario Kart kind of works a little bit better as a portable game, and I can see where he's coming from with that. So 
seems to work really well too. I, would, I, I just, know. I just think that like a, it's just a weird dynamic, like how our brains kind of like now function as we try to um, kind of parse like where does the switch fit into our lives, like what kind of games it brings out. Like, do we prefer like longer experiences like Zelda on the fly, or more like Mario Kart Eight, like the occasional race or two? It's like what are we more comfortable with, and now we kind of we can kind of start transforming like our thought patterns into that because we always have that assurance that like hey for this kind of like game that i prefer uh playing in longer spurts i can always dock it in and have it out with the tv with like no quality loss mm-hmm. something tells me that 90 percent of the switch library is mostly going to be like games that could have been released on the 3ds but are instead put on the switch just because of... oh, i'm okay with that actually. yeah no totally that's that's perfectly <laughs> that's what i prefer honestly uh-huh. but uh you'll get the occasional big gaming experience like zelda mario xenoblade chronicles 2 but uh, it seems like that's kind of how it is and yeah it really it's actually what it needs to be because that's the only way it's really going to survive uh as a as a platform as opposed to like the 3ds which you know looks like it continues to be pretty strong i mean 3ds is six years old or it's in its six year or something now it's been a while (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um but you know that's it. Just goes to show as long as the experience is good, it doesn't really matter. And you know Nintendo's art direction is always top notch. So it's a, a Nike. You have to really worry about having photogra- photorealistic graphics or something like that. It doesn't need to be. It just needs to be as beautiful as like Mario Kart Deluxe apparently is, or Zelda is. More yeah. cel shaded games really is what it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I prefer. All right, so moving on, though, Adam, uh, yes, as we mentioned before, you're going to probably make up the most of this conversation. You've been playing a lot of games. Well, I missed last week's podcast. Yeah. So I kind of have to play a little catch-up and some of the stuff I played a couple well, weeks ago. you don't have to, but <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to talk about these things. You apparently didn't feel that strongly about this. Well, some of it. I, I, want, I want to hear uh, it. Some of these yeah. I do kind of want to talk about, yeah, <laughs> even if I wasn't a fan. No, of course. Okay. <laughs> Um, I guess to get started. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, so at the very beginning of May, um, Atlas released the Caligula effect, which is just a quick reminder. It's a game developed by Acrea, which develops some sort of online games. And that's pretty much it. Um, that's like their whole library. Um, and then Atlas decided for some reason that they're going to localize this game and publish it as a digital only Vita title. And I don't want to sound Good like story already. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like spend the next five, ten minutes or whatever, just like whining here. Mm-hmm. But let me just kind of just walk you through like my 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 in progress thoughts as I was playing the game and like what I was running into and what I was encountering and like how I pretty quickly soured on it. And ultimately, this became the lowest reviewed game that I've ever given on the site in the last four years I've been contributing here. Um, so. Enter the Caligula effect. Yeah. So the the original the premise of the game is that your character wakes up in a fake world that's basically a high school, because we all know that that Japanese high school is really what an ideal world should look like, right? Uh, obviously, that's what anime yeah. told me. Yep. So, um, but once he realizes this, he basically finds other students that are also aware that this isn't the real world, and they are they team up to try to find a way out. And in order to do this, they they basically have to defeat um, these characters that are basically called musicians. And um, these musicians are basically underlings of this vocaloid type program girl thing called Mew. It's like a big letter Mew. Is Um, that like the showdown of this game? I don't know what that's a reference to. System Shock, too. Okay, okay. Um, But uh, so let me just talk about the story, I guess, of first a little bit is that 
these musician characters in in the real world they all are basically like i was kind of a loner or i was not very successful or i was overweight or things like that and they basically their mentality is is this world is better why would i want to leave it blah 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 makes sense and then, the, the the protagonist characters, of course, being the protagonists, are like, well, yeah, everybody has problems in the real world. Everybody has hardships. But rather than just fleeing from them and ignoring them, we want to go back and we want to try to tackle them type of thing. <sighs> and like, you know, just kind of as a baseline premise, like, okay, this sounds like it could be fine, right? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's in concept, it seems like it might be an okay thought. All right. But it it's there, there's like no subtlety or nuanced anything it as you play through the game you kind of you meet these different musicians and how the game is structured is like each musician they kind of like tie it into one of the characters so they have like a similar uh, hardship or whatever um and it just it never goes beyond like a surface level like dialogue about this whole concept like like one character for example is a loner and it's like well um everybody's got different personalities and you know we can be friends and blah 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 and it's just it doesn't like it's just not very interesting <laughs> um it's kind, of, it's kind of like like a like like an elementary school essay about like yeah. morality yeah it's shit. like or like or how, how to face your fears or to face your problems and it just it it feels so i think the word i used was paint by numbers it kind of just oh, feels okay. like going through motions and it's just um i actually saw some other reviews so this game did not review very well but some reviews actually did praise some of these story elements and it actually kind of confuses me like this is enough to satisfy you it just feels so um not every review did but it's a couple did it's just it, it just it's so um dilute in a sense it just mm-hmm. it's it, it, it feels like it feels i feel like it's it's, it's, like, it's like an iceberg like, and you can like dig deeper but it only goes like beyond just like the, the everything is like super it. expected uh-huh. um uh in terms of how these characters like do grow a very tiny bit in the game um there's only one character story that actually i thought was like semi-interesting and uh basically just in a nutshell what it was was this character was a 20 year old single mom type of thing okay and like that was the most interesting one because it seemed like um, there was potential there there was yeah and like like her life was kind of very very shitty because she basically uh had a one-night stand and had a child and then the father Mm. left and things like that and it's like wow that's actually like this, oh, this actually kind of feels, you know, interesting, and like her, the hardship she's facing kind of feels serious, um, in a sense, um, and it kind of involves her child that she, of course, loves so much, but it, you know, it, it, her life is basically her quality of life is poor, and that was like the only one. The rest of them are just I don't even remember. Almost yeah, like that that's, that sucks because like you could see that like a lot, a good handful of those could have been that good, but they decided not to go for it. Um, and some of the. This will be a minor spoiler, but nobody cares. Some okay. of the some of the per- sto- character stories are just so weird; it's just like not even believable. So one of them, basically, this guy had his girlfriend, and his girlfriend asked him to commit suicide with her. Okay. Um, and it's like he doesn't say he doesn't say why. It's just that's all we know. And then at the moment they are going to jump off a building, he basically chickens out and decides not to, and then he feels guilty about it because her girlfriend killed himself herself, and he did not. Oh. And it's just kind of like. Hmm. what <laughs> that, was, that was kind of my thought like what <laughs> like what is this I, it, 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 it doesn't even like explain like why she wanted to commit suicide it's just it just kind of like lays it right on you and it's so it's like it sounds like it could have been more like heartfelt or something but it's just like 
what? Yeah, with no context. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the the result was right there, but it's like if you don't, if there's no context, it's like why do I even care then? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, anyways, the game itself. Uh, starting <laughs> up. Uh, like you, you enter the first hallway, and there's these bunch of students running around. Apparently, there's 500 of them. You talk to them, and they say basically nothing. They they, they just it's like filler small talk. They just kind of say like. Uh, oh, I saw a book in the library, and I decided to check it out, blah, blah, blah. And, or, like, I saw that the cafeteria was having a new dish, and I wanted to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they don't actually say anything interesting. Are they actually even, like, talking to you, or, like, are you, like, whisper, or, like, are you, you overhear them, like, with another car? No, they're talking to you. Oh, okay. Or the character. Um, but, and a little bar fills up, and then it's like, you filled out one out of five segments of your friendship bar. Oh, boy. And then they stop talking to you. And you basically, and you add them to your your like little like phone like messaging app in in the game, and then so that was kind of like the very first thing I noticed when I was playing. Or like that's the very first thing you run into when you're basically playing this game is you can talk to all these students and they basically say nothing. You register them into your list, um, and then there's also like this grid in the game called causality link, which basically shows all these students and how they are linked to each other. And some students you can't talk to unless you like become friends with. Like they're friends first type of thing, mm-hmm. where they open up to you, and then I so I, I just kind of like started talking to students a little bit, like twenty students later, thirty students later, forty students later. And then I just kind of like thought to myself, why am I doing this? There's um, like forty out of five hundred. Yeah, I realized like there's I'm not even ten percent of the way through. The Holy students. shit! So I actually made a decision at that point. I am going to ignore this. I am not going to bother. I'm yeah. gonna see uh, if I run into a wall because I'm like missing out on something. That's my own fault. But for now, it is also bad game design. This. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, so apparently, by if you befriend enough of them, you can, I guess, get like passive skills for the actual combat in the game. Um, but I, in order to do that, you have to do like these like little like fetch quest type things eventually with these characters. But to be honest, I don't really know the details of that because I never did them. It just and had no interest in bothering with this. I mean, yeah, um, if, the, if the game's dragging itself and making and trying to drag you along with it, then... And the thing is, is as I progressed through the game, I didn't miss it. Like, I did, it wasn't like... It didn't feel like I was handicapping myself or anything like that. It felt like it was pointless. It amounted to nothing. I even said that in the review. Like, this... It's... Like, why is this even here? Um, so, the actual combat of the game. You... You and your party, the other students... They all have different types of weapons that basically affect how they act. Like, like one of them has like little boxing glove type things, so he's of course the front lines fighter, mm-hmm. brawler type. One character has like a, a revolver, so he stays in the back and doesn't. How do many much pa- how many like party members do you have like o- overall, not just out in the field? Uh, it's either it's like eight, ten. Okay. Wow. It's like it's more than the typical like six or so. That's um, not okay. Yeah, but I only st- I I stuck with four. Um. The way, like, this is the type of, this is one of those games where reserved party members don't get any sort of experience or things like that. So I wasn't really interested in, like, trying to keep everyone caught up. So I, I kind of picked a team of four and kept with it. Um, you know, I wasn't really digging the game anyway, so I didn't want to waste more time trying to keep right. everyone leveled. And so how the combat system generally works is that each of your party members picks three different actions that they can do, up to three. And so up to 12 different actions in a round, basically. And then you can, you basically get a preview of what your actions will look like in like real time. It's not, it's like you set these up in like a turn-based way, but the actions actually carry out in like a real time type setup. 
and it's like it's like, of, it's like a simulation. Also. Yeah, you can adjust the timing of the actions to basically try to perform the best combos. Like for example, if one of your character does like a launching attack, launches the enemy in the air, you want your other characters to follow that up with like aerial attacks, and that way you can get the most damage out. Else, you're, if you don't time it well, I the thought is that you're not gonna. Your, your your combos aren't going to be very effective. You're just going to be like punching at midair or something like that. Yeah. Um, so for a while, I was kind of messing with it and kind of trying to set up combos and things. But then I kind of realized this takes a while. You know, this is like this is a little bit wasting my time in terms of how much time it takes to, to set these up for every single attack I do. So I kind of just decided also, you know what? I'm just going to kind of like bum rush everything I can and just have everyone attack as fast as they can all the time, no matter what. And if that comes back to bite me, then that's my fault. Yep. But it never really came back to bite me. <laughs> this is effective. Okay. Uh, so I basically it, went through the whole game with the same four characters, basically attacking it all the time as fast as I could. I didn't really bother with the timing thing at all. The only like real strategy I ever really used was I had one character that could do healing spells. So like during boss fights, I'd kind of keep her back just in case. Um, so that like otherwise, I would just basically just attack as often as I could, and most of the time it works. And so that's most of the combat in the game really right there <laughs> and then the dungeons themselves are mostly these like like corridors mostly just narrowish paths and things like that do they like take um, this place in a school or well, someplace else there's there's a couple levels in a school and then there's like one in a mall and there's one in like a like an aquarium type building is there like any that. weird like is there any story justification of like why you go to these places or it's just uh, kind of uh, there a little bit like okay a very tiny bit um but they're all like Besides some basic aesthetic differences, they all basically function the same way. And um, I should mention, throughout these mazes, there are some, like, really high-level enemies that are, like, clearly... They're kind of like FOEs in, like, an Etrian Odyssey game where um, it's... When you first run into them, it's better to avoid them than to try to actually take them on. Um, they're, like, kind of like roaming bosses type thing. Could, could you, though? Like, I mean, like, is there any big reward if you do? Well, so a lot of them actually were guarding, like, chests that basically gave you new attack or new uh, equipment and things like that. Um, but most of them I just ignored because I didn't need to take them on, in a sense. And I didn't even, like, I kind of told myself, well, if I need to, I'll just come back here later when my guys are more, when my guys are powered up. Um, but I never really needed to go back. I just kind of basically, as long as you ignore those enemies and those kind of extra paths that you're clearly not really supposed to take your first time through, mm-hmm. you, you can basically make your way to the final boss without much issue at all. Um, and I did. And so in a nutshell, I've been talking about this game probably longer than I should have been anyway. Uh, I got Fine. to the final boss of the game, which is Mew, and I beat her in less than a minute. Um, Great. Mm. I never really went out of my way to grind. I never did the... The, uh, this casualty link stuff where I'm talking to random nobodies to, uh, you know, to get these whatever passive skills they, they offer. I never went back to kind of try to take on some of those tough at the time bosses to try to get some extra equipment or whatever they were hiding. I just kind of went through and fought the final boss. And that was that. And that was the game. I, I so hear that the, for, well, obviously, like, first premiere review, like, the technical performance of this is already bad. Like, oh, the premiere yeah. is off. And I hear the loading times are, like, even more terrible like the, like loading in between like loading dungeon floors is like 20 seconds like 20 seconds oh, yeah yeah and, and also the a lot of the a lot of the um rooms are not very big so that means you're going in between rooms hence loading oh god fairly frequently that sucks and, so like, like just like within very, within five floors you already wasted a minute on loading alone yeah 
uh, and from the onset of the game, it's very obvious that the frame rate is not stable at all. It's very choppy, and, um, and it's not even like a like a good looking game either. To, like no, really push those, like character models. Most of the game is just portraits and text boxes, which you know the art style of the portraits is fine. Like I don't mm-hmm. love it, I don't hate it. It's fine, but the character Functional. models which they sometimes use for like different cutscenes, they don't even like move their lips they don't you know it's just it's very it looks like an it almost looks like an early ps2 game or something um which you know not every game can be a high fidelity game and this is a vita game but still it's not the 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 presentation and the performance of this game is certainly not its high suit um so just that probably one of the one of the worst games it's only only it's a little bit interesting because it's so bad in a sense is there is there like a cliffhanger at the end for a caligula 2 uh no, <laughs> I'm actually trying to remember what happens at the end. Nice. Uh, <laughs> All right. I don't think so. Caligula effect now on yeah. PS Vita. I you... only recommend it if you're less like really, really like masochistic and you're just really curious <laughs> for some reason. Get, get it so you can tell people, hey, the last game I played on my Vita before I trashed it was the Caligula effect. I know. I know some people actually pretty well that are. Um, really really upset like why did atlas release this and etrian odyssey 5 is nowhere to be found uh, <laughs> yeah. i mean you know it's the nature of business i i wonder if atlas and furyu have some sort of agreement to like they have to right? games yeah they, no, that image epoch is gone so <laughs> yeah so i don't yeah. know what i don't know if, if i don't if i don't hear like an etrian odyssey uh, 5 uh localization at e3 it's just hmm, worrying it's very it feels worrying. like so 3DS has a couple of games coming out still. Yeah. Like, it's obviously old now, but like, if they wanted to release Etrian Odyssey 5, they would want to do it soon, right? So I think it would. They, I, I would almost be certainly uh, certain expect it at Nintendo's digital event at E3. Yeah. yeah. Randomly, so, <laughs> randomly announced. Like, oh, by the way. I mean, like Fire Emblem Echoes was kind of randomly announced in yeah. their thing this January, and it's out now. Exactly. Or it's out soon. So, like, they just some will. I, I I can't I, I I find it hard to believe they would ignore it. So it only came out last Perhaps, August, but, so I think it's a little too yeah. yeah. It's not that long. So anyway, so speaking anyway, of which, so though, I've been playing some other games. Yeah. Um, this one I probably won't talk much about because it's extremely niche, and people who are interested in it probably um, already know or are familiar with it. So this is Operation Babel: New Tokyo Legacy. What this is is a dungeon crawler, first-person dungeon crawler game in the wizardry vein. So wizardry like style well to like Operation yeah. Abyss, I think. Yeah, Operation Abyss and Operation Battle. Mm-hmm. So okay. these games are developed by Experience, which Experience is a Japanese, very small Japanese developer that does that basically focuses on this genre. They started out as indie, basically Japanese indie, and they've grown a little bit. Um, so these these are the same guys that did Stranger of Sword City, they did Demon Gaze, they did Reggie Gaunt, and things like that. So Operation Abyss. It's anime as fuck. It's like a really super anime art style. Um, and but other other than that though, it it actually doesn't have a whole lot of like anime type nonsense type to it. It's just it's well, how do I put this? It's a pretty straightforward game, and the story elements are actually like not really a focus. But the story elements that are there, they're not bad, but they're kind of like techno babble nonsense. Yeah, I, I remember that from when I tried a few hours of Operation Abyss. I felt super lost because there was so much jargon. I'm like, yeah, what are you actually telling me? Um, 
I kind of I kind of poked fun of it in my review, like for example. So like it's wizardry wizardry style game. So you have classes, of course, right? Well, they're not actually uh-huh. classes; they're called blood codes. Okay, great, whatever. And then uh, that you have an inventory, right? Uh, or like a you know something like that. Like no, that's your sub disk. And in order to get items from <laughs> sub disk, you need to issue them from the from the like the code store or something. And then if you want to do that you need money well not money you need growth points and then to get more oh, growth shit. points what you need to do is you need to deliver these codes and just like all these are <laughs> classes items inventory buying and selling in stores but they just they add like a special term for every single thing that if you're especially if you're not familiar with dungeon crawler games like you have no idea what they're talking about yeah I, mean, um, I haven't been able to like really play much of them like yeah. over the past few years so like uh, just like getting back into that again with that game is just I was like, I, oh I no! And played things like Stranger of Swords, yeah. where these games are structurally very similar. Um, so I should say the one reason why I kind of actually do legitimately like these types of games is because more of the class and combat style that they have, they these sort of dungeon crawlers really favor the flexibility. You can you basically build your party from scratch, and you have like almost complete control over how have, you yeah. Right, and they put it. It puts a really high emphasis on like party coordination and how your team basically like benefits each other, and how your members like how their how their abilities can basically make your other team members in your party better. It's very and, much about chemistry without like like telling it to you. It's like you find out on your own. Yes, and um, so like a lot of RPGs, I I feel like. I mean, this is true for a lot of games, but for RPGs, Japanese RPGs in general, like a lot of times if you run into like a tough boss or something like that, you might be able to like abuse a certain skill or maybe you can just grind a bunch, gain a couple levels and then just overpower them. Yeah. You can't really do that in these sorts of games. They, these these dungeon crawlers, like if you don't have the right way to counter a certain boss or its, its abilities, you kind of need to figure it out. You can't just level up more and overpower them. It's usually not going to work. And I kind of appreciate that, that it really puts a focus. Yeah, there's like puzzle elements in actual combat. Mm -hmm. And where this became extremely obvious to me was actually one of the post-game bosses that had an ability to literally take a party member out of your group. And I kind of realized, like, no matter which enemy or which uh, party member he takes, it really screws me over because that every member does something super crucial. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's, like, my defender person who basically takes damage or the healer person or the person who basically deals with, like, the party-wide unity skills or the person who basically deals with, like, the status effects and things like, like that. And it's, like, or, the, or, of course, the damage dealers. It's just, like, stop taking my party members, damn it. So yeah. that, that's kind of when I really realized, like, how crucial each party member was and how they, like, played together is like when you really realize in kind of a trite saying here you don't realize what you have until they're gone <laughs> so um operation Babel is pretty much more of the same of operation abyss it's a direct sequel now i have two years later i have no idea what happened in operation abyss i don't remember so starting out in this game i'm just like okay i think i remember these characters um and there's so the story stuff is really not that important but it's and one thing I wanted to say was that there's so much like techno babble in there. It almost feels like a parody, and it wants me to take it seriously. And it's, it's they're, speak, they're speaking in tongues at some point. It's like it's like, the same language, they actually, but like, they, they, they bring in things like the theory of relativity or oh, shit. things like that, and like gravity and Why? like space time. And it's just like 
whatever <laughs> anyways, i forgot like it's it's not like wizard in the sense like you're not like kind of like to expand your party you're not like actually recruiting like they're all story related it's not actually coming like no your party members story. are not story characters oh like, okay your your party members basically don't talk at all but they kind of you you basically being one member of your party i guess you the player character you basically work with these other characters who are story characters um but your party is just a bunch of nope. you know faceless like, faceless people, people. okay um but this game has a lot of post-game content, so it has a dungeon crawler, and it, some of that stuff is really pretty challenging. So that's the reason why I kind of like these games. Um, but I feel like this one was kind of just more of the same. It doesn't really stick out from the other ones I played. It's, I think it's a fine dungeon crawler, but it just not a, it doesn't stand out. What's your favorite kind of class in these games? Like just functionality or maybe looks? Just the, the, your general... Favorite kind of class in these in the operation, games. in the operation games, um, the samurai class is pretty good for like mob battles because they basically can hit every enemy on the screen eventually, oh, okay. um, and that helps a lot with like the, some of the other mechanics in the game. When, whenever you hit an enemy, your unity your unity guy fills up, which allows you to do more powerful uh, or like boosts and things like that. So they're like extremely useful classes, kind of like your MVP class, if you will. But like I said before, all, all the all the characters in your party are like extremely useful. Um, speaking of Etrian Odyssey, which we were talking about a little bit ago, the, those games are also very similar to these, but I actually haven't played one yet. Um, I own every I single you one. Have. I really need to. <laughs> I've played the awesome. spinoffs. I played, I played a Strange Journey. You reviewed Mystery Dungeon, didn't you? Entry yes. Mystery Dungeon? Yeah. I, I played, so I played a bunch of Etrian likes. I played other Dungeon Callers, but I haven't actually gotten around you to them. You played the spin-offs of them and not the main ones. You need to play four. You need to play I know four. I would love them. So that's, that's all I really want to say about Operation Babble. It's, just, it's okay. a decent Dungeon Crawler. Uh, anime is fuck. Um, the story is Babble nonsense, but there's, there's, a lot, there's a really good challenge in there if you're looking for it. That's Vita and PC, right? Yeah, and the PC version being a Dungeon Crawler, you know. Mm-hmm. run on a toaster <laughs> so yeah she'll be fine all right cool so also i've been playing a lot um i started up fire emblem I pronounce this correctly thracia 776 yes so this is fire emblem 5 so this is the one that's basically a midquel to genealogy of the holy war so genealogy of the holy war kind of has this time skip where halfway through the game you basically stop playing as one set of characters and you play as their descendants. Well, Thracia 776 basically focuses on some of the some of those characters that are at that point kind of in a different country, different nation. And basically it's like, this is what happened in, in that break period, in that time skip. Now, when I first heard about 776 in, like, in a little, more than a little detail from a friend who had played it, he described it as like this oddball black sheep of the series. And so now that I know that's probably good, that's probably a better uh, that's probably a better description of Fire Emblem Gaiden. But I think I had kind of like the wrong idea of what this game was in terms of like how it was structured. It actually feels really similar to Fire Emblem Six and Seven. That's Binding Sword and Sealing or Sealing Sword and Blazing Sword. Yeah, Game Boy Advance. It feels really similar to those. And so it, it now that I played it, I haven't finished it yet. But now that I played it, it, it like seeing how 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 these games, how Fire Emblem went from Genealogy of the Holy War to Blazing Sword, which is the first game released in English, like Thracia 776, it, it, it makes, it actually kind of makes perfect sense where it is because it kind of feels like a mix of those two types of styles. Um, 
one thing that I appreciated right away when I started this game is that you can trade items again. Yes. You can't do that in Genealogy of the Holy War. And while you kind of get used to it, when you are able to do that again, and you're like, finally, thank God. I know, it just feels like a weird, like, you like, depend on it so much, and you don't actually notice that it's like, wait, this you can't trade items in this game? Yeah, and in Genealogy of the Holy War, for those of you who don't know, you literally have to, like, sell it. Like, you, you have one character sell an item, and then you have another character buy it, and you always lose money in that transaction. <laughs> yeah. And also, each character has, like, a separate money pool, so, like, you have to, like, and they can't trade money either, so it's... <laughs> No, no, no. You either get, either like get a character really buff and be rich, yeah. or yeah. So, so Thracia seven seven six gets rid of all that. Now the one, the two things that Thracia seven seven six has that no other Fire Emblem game has, up, up until um, Echoes actually, I think, is one, uh, you can capture an enemy. So instead of just defeating them, you can basically capture an enemy, like an enemy unit, any enemy it can even be the boss enemy. And then once you do oh, yeah. that, you you can take their weapons or other items if they have like a vulnerability or whatever. Um, and that's actually the only way to get money in that game. Um, at first, I saw, when I first heard that, I'm like, that sounds really awkward, right? But it actually seems to, I think it works pretty well. I think, yeah, I think the implementation of it actually worked out at the time. Yeah, I wasn't it too, works... it, it seemed really like overwhelming at first. It's like, oh, fuck, how am I going to well, do this? <laughs> I'm only a couple of chapters in. But like I, I, right now, I'm kind of paranoid and trying to capture as many enemies as I can to like get as many items as I can. Yep, yep. I'm going a little bit overboard, but that's what I'm doing. It's like Pokemon, um, man. Come on. Yeah. The other element that Thracia Seven Seven Six has that not many other games have, anyways, is fatigue. Fuck fatigue. Now <laughs> I haven't actually gotten to this point yet because I think that starts at like chapter nine, and I'm on like chapter seven. Um, so I haven't really experienced it yet, but from what I understand, basically if you use a character in battle enough and they like participate in enough skirmishes or they take enough damage or things like that, they'll actually literally like I'm going to sit out the next battle and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, they, they, they build up points of fatigue yeah. and send like next chapter rolls around it. There, that uh, fatigue gauge is filled, dude. They can't participate in it. Like I think you can use items like stamina, like yeah. pots or drinks or something to cure it, but. Uh, yeah, that's... I haven't gotten to that point yet, so I have no opinion on it yet. But <laughs> it's, I, I it's just can... something that people do not like. <laughs> yeah, you, you so. can't. Oh, you can't over rely on character on a single or even like a handful of characters in in Thracia. You yeah. have to be fair, fairly okay with like having everyone get some fair usage. Because well, in most in most sucks. of the games, it it it's 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 generally most effective to kind of pick a core group of people and to stick with them, um, even if that doesn't really like make I don't know like story sense or whatever. But um, and it seems like that's kind of that was, for Thracia seven seven six. That was kind of their try to way to like try to get you to be flexible and try to using more units. Um, Radiant Dawn is kind of similar in a sense that it had you actually splitting up your parties and you only had certain characters and certain maps and things like that. But anyway, fatigue I, actually does return in Fire Emblem Echoes, which I'm playing for review. Yeah, but it's a lot more. It seems to be a lot more convenient, uh, um, manageable. Yeah. It, Anyways, what were you gonna say? Well, I said lenient uh, on the fatigue, but oh, yeah. uh, I, I was trying to remember other things in Thracia. I think there were, I think that's actually the first Fire Emblem where they uh, started introducing like escape type missions or chapters. Yes, actually, let me talk about that. So, okay. um, so Genealogy of the Holy War, in terms of like the story elements of Fire Emblem, it has one of the more interesting stories. I, I like that one. I like the Tellius games, mm -hmm. um, in terms of like characters and stories. But Fire Emblem still had good stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, something that Awakening and especially Fates kind of faltered on a bit. Um, although some of the gameplay there, especially like Conquest and Fates, I think is some of the best games. Yeah, it's had. good, anyways, but I, I would like a good story <laughs> along with that. Anyways, um, Stratio 776 actually had this really interesting moment, both narratively and mechanically, relatively early on. I'm going to spoil it. I know not many yep. people have played this game, but um, it's early on anyway. So you basically are controlling Leaf. Leaf is kind of like, uh, he's another noble lord, and he's a friend of 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 Seleth, who is basically Sigurd's son. Um, right. Okay. So yeah. they're they're basically like Hector and Ellie Wood in the in uh, another Fire Emblem world. Is that they're both noble houses and they're friends with each other, but Leaf, in that midquill section of genealogy, the Holy War, you don't really know what happened there. You kind of hear little bits of it, but you don't. But of of his story. And Thracia 776 is where it basically comes into the picture. And so you kind of meet Leaf and you kind of meet his his retainers and his uh, group and things like that. And you're trying to basically stop this kind of civil war that's happening in his country of Thracia. And then about three chapters in, uh, you get captured. And you literally are – Leaf is taken away from everybody he's worked with up to that point, like the first couple, several chapters. He loses basically all his items. And then he's basically plopped into a new group of people who are all like um, prisoners. Like he doesn't know these people; they're just all prisoners. Yeah. And then at that point, you're actually going to go through a really. There's actually this really neat jail level that I've actually heard about before. I don't know if this is infamous or not, Fire Emblem fans or old school Fire Emblem fans. That's actually really tough because you. I do remember trying, it. <laughs> you're trying to figure out. You have Leaf. You have a bunch of these other prisoners. They have no weapons. Um, a couple of people come in to try to free prisoners and then like kind of in this level you're kind of tasked with you have to re-equip yourself by like going to these chests in the room you have all these people chasing you after you all the time you have what i think are endless reinforcements like you can't just clear them yep. all out uh, so you kind of have to always like you you, you got to be moving no way you can just take them all on you have to be mm -hmm. quick and so like and then there's there's even like a bonus objective I think that requires you to save like these civilian type prisoners that you can't control. So it's 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 a really complex level, and it's, it's stressful. Now I'm playing on an emulator, so that kind of you know I can kind of cheese it a bit. Like oh, go go back to an earlier save state or whatever. Yeah. Like, it was really interesting. I think mm -hmm. it was like, and I think that's what I what I was getting at. It's like this was the first escape level I think in the series. Um, and then actually the next couple of chapters following this are kind of still like like you're a ragtag group of leaf and several prisoners trying to escape this kind of castle fortress type place and i have no idea he has no idea what help what happened to his retainers and things like that and i just thought that was kind of an interesting story thing because not i don't think any of the other fire emblem games like you're literally taken away from all the other characters so early on especially and just these kind of these these kind of these objectives and how these I, I wish more yeah i wish more fire emblem games like encourage that kind of unconventional plot th thing that happens and it kind of forces you to like you know learn this new mechanic because yeah. of story i mean beats. i can i can see why people don't like it but yeah it, it felt to me it's refreshing way, but, yeah yeah especially I, when most fire emblem games it's just like we're we're an army oh as we go through the game we just kind of keep adding people to it type of thing um and i'm sure it'll probably get to that point eventually but it was kind of nice to kind of see that little bit of a twist uh in this one yeah and um one thing i've also heard about this game and this is kind of this is an exaggeration every level is fog of war mm -hmm. 
every level is not fog of war it's actually just the guidance levels which are the secret levels oh um, the, the, those are i think there's a fire first fire emblem that had the guidance levels yes. too <laughs> i think there's the first fire emblem that had guidance levels and the first fire emblem that had fog of war as well so thracia 776 had it's a, lot a very of experimental title it, it was really yes. cool i think it was also the first fire emblem that had like the rescue command also yes you can rescue as well as part of it's kind of like the capture system some of those some of those te- mechanics obviously stayed some of them uh did not stay like capture i don't think is in any other game um they should have but, that new Fire Emblem for Switch be a spiritual sequel to this game, just like straight up mechanical wise, and see how people <laughs> react to it. And uh, we've talked about this before, but like this game came out in 1999, so it's less than 20 years old. <laughs> um, it, it feels, you know, you, you almost expect it to be older than that, but it's not. And it's a uh, Super Nintendo most, game. <laughs> yeah, it's still one of the most standout Fire Emblem games in my mind because it tried so many things to, you know, various you know, like success, but. I, I applaud them for, you know, really switching up the formula in yeah. Thracia. So I, I, I'm I really liking it, it a lot so far. I understand that it's different, and some people don't like different. Um, but it's actually kind of refreshing. So I'm, I, I... Let me also say... Can, like, fuck off, Sorry? The way that the, Thracia can, like... The way Thracia handled fatigue, you can fuck off, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't gotten that. that far yet. So I mentioned I'm also playing Fire Emblem Echoes for review. Now, looking at my... My embargo here, um, <laughs> I can only, I, so I can't really give much in terms of impressions. I can't talk about Fast Chapter 2. I can talk for 45 minutes. Okay. Ready? Okay, I'll All talk right, for 45 minutes. No, oh, no, I'm joking. So, um, uh, chapter so one. Fire, Fire Emblem Echoes is a remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden, the second one, which is, that one seems to be more what would actually be considered a black sheep or oddball of the series because of some of the things it does it's so, so different from fire emblem one though, because fire emblem one is so different from every like it, fire emblem yeah. one is not like, a good representation of like what it actually started for the series yeah like I- i'm not a big fan of shadow dragon but apparently people who have played both say like hey shadow dragon's not great but it's still a heck of a lot better than one like so uh i probably won't ever get around to playing the nes games because i played all the remakes which seem to be shaping up to be better than the originals in every way Sometimes, sometimes, just kind of an aside. When there's like a game and a remake, you kind of want to play both because they're they're, they're different enough that the, the experience is different enough. It seems like for the Fire Emblem games, the remakes seem to kind of, you know, completely like, kind of completely, you know, encase everything that you would could possibly get out of those NES games. But anyways, um, so Fire Emblem Echoes, in a way, I, I'll be careful what I can talk about now. It feels more like the games that came pre-Awakening and pre-Fates um, in terms of its tone. This sounds and good honestly, so sorry? This sounds good so far. Yes, and I, I miss that. Yes. Like, I, I, I've gone on record, I am not a big fan of Awakening. I know a lot of people, it's their favorite game. It's one, it was our game of the year when the year it came out, and I think it's mechanically, I think every Fire Emblem game is kind of pretty good in a sense, but like relative to just the others, I just I thought it was bloated. I thought the story was kind of weird. The pairing system was like broken. I thought. Oh yeah, pairing was like. And then they did not they did not think out the, like the what the balancing issues were of it. The pairing is just like, hey, we introduced this system. How is it actually gonna balance out in combat? Uh, yeah. Nope. I, and I thought I thought Fates was better in terms of like it, how it tweaked the pairing system and how it and how it changed map designs and things like that um uh, but like the story elements the characters and things like that i also wasn't really a big fan of what so what some people like to call matchmaker emblem 
it puts a heck of a lot of emphasis on like pairing up your people and the children and things like that. And I know some people really love that, um, but I don't know. It just that's the, that's not really why I, why I kind of fell in love with the series to begin with. Yes, like I know genealogy of the Holy War also is pairing up, and that game is great. And there's also romances in the other games. But I kind of felt like the focus on that in Awakening and Fates was kind of a little bit too much for me personally. Yeah, genealogy didn't like like yeah. sacri- It felt like it didn't sacrifice like the tone of the plot for the sake of these systems. It was more like, hey, you can do this in the game rather than, hey, there's like a big, bold new feature. We're going to really push it onto you in this game at the expense of, you know, an actual good story. Yeah. And so let me just get it out of the way. Echoes is not a matchmaker emblem. People who started with Awakening, I have a feeling like this might be kind of, a, if, they're, if they're really interested in Echoes, it might kind of feel really weird to them because it's it doesn't feel like Awakening or Fates. Great, it's, it's better weird. than Awakening and Fates already. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I know this is just my preference, but <laughs> so far, I, I think I am going to enjoy it more than that, at least from a, like a tonal level and a character level. Um, now, this game is, let me just also say, this game is uh, localized by 8.4, who has done some really fantastic work in the past. They did, uh, they did Nier Automata. They did Awakening. And then they, they've done other games like uh, they've done Xenoblade Cross. They, they did Bait and Kaito's Origins several years ago. Um, and I thought, in terms of like localization groups, I think 8.4 is probably one of the best ones kind of in general. Um, and I think the localization so far in this game is pretty darn good. And I mean that both in a writing sense, like the, the, like the language that the characters use in this game, it feels very appropriate in a sense. Oh, like, okay. Or like the medieval type time scale. There are some characters that are more like, how do I put this? There are some characters that are like nobles, some characters that are villagers, some characters that are more like pirates or mercenaries. And I kind of feel like the way that each character talks, like not just the voice acting, but even just like the words they use and the, their sentence structure, I kind of feel like... Text characterization. Yeah. It's, I think it's well done without being too gimmicky. Sometimes it's like they like they go so overboard um, with like, oh yeah, this guy's a villager and he sounds like a hillbilly type of thing. It, nothing like that. Um, but I, I, it's so far I'm impressed. And so these games are fully, this game is also fully voiced. And when they wow. say fully voiced, I mean fully voiced. It's not like Awakening and Face where they just kind of say like, my lord, and then the text. Hey, that's so cool. Text. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. It's oh, that's amazing. Voiced. Now it's English only, which I know some people of anime and things like that are like, oh, pfft, it sucks. Which, yeah, that's disappointing for people who are really looking forward to that. But I think the English voice acting is well done too. Um there are a lot of characters in these games, so maybe not every character sounds perfect, but I think for the most part, I'm I'm actually pretty impressed by it. Um, and like, especially compared to some of the scenes in uh, like the Tellius games or Awakening or Fates, I think it's probably better done than those. Wow, and I'm excited. Yeah, so I'm I'm impressed so far. Now I can't I can't when I say the localization is great, I'm I'm not comparing to the Japanese version. I don't know what liberties they've taken, but what is presented to me feels cohesive it makes sense and it's i'm interested yeah um, so i'm impressed and i've 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 been fans of eight fours uh works in the past like i recently i recently played bait and kaido's origin and i think that was a really great job from them from them as well i know near automata people really like its localization so i'm not surprised <laughs> so yeah really they're, they're very very talented over there just props yeah. to them all around uh that's but anyways yeah so it's fully voiced like uh, in fact, it, it's even kind of nice where a lot of games have this now where there's kind of like an autoplay feature where like in between levels, it just you can just let the characters talk 
and like everything is voiced and it, it they're not actually cutscenes really but it's it's the presentation i think is pretty well done now where this game is different uh most final games are so are organized into chapters where like each chapter is one battle type of thing and then there's sometimes like side battles or whatever that you can do now this game is not support not divided into chapters and it's instead divided into acts and there are two main characters there's alm and there's cecilia Celica. Celica. Yeah. And they can, um, you basically, it seems like, from what I understand, you kind of switch between them. You start with, you do like a little prologue with both of them, and then you start with Alm, and then you start go with uh, Celica and things like that. And then each of these acts, you basically get a world map. It's kind of like a Sacred Stone style. And you kind of go from place to place, and you fight a battle in these places. And there, some of them are smaller. Some of them, some of the more major conflicts are a little bit bigger, like a more expected chapter, like in another game. But since there are more battles, in, on average, they're smaller. And there is then there's like story elements that happen kind of in between most of these conflicts. So it's not really separated separated into the chapters. It's like this is like your first act as Ulm is kind of like how he goes, how he joins this army, and how he basically his start uh, as becoming the eventual leader of this army. That's not this. Um, so that's different but one thing that's also different as well that I actually haven't seen a whole lot of yet is that there's this kind of like this dungeon exploration yeah it's uh, bizarre thing <laughs> so I don't really know how I feel on this yet I think it works uh, I can't I guess I really can't say too much but there's this dungeon exploration thing where you literally go into like this it's, it, this is brand new to Fire Emblem you, you, you actually control like a 3D model of Alm as you run through this like hallway or you know, just like any JRPG type dungeon. And then you can see these enemies on the map and just kind of like a lot of these types of RPGs, you can even hit them with your sword on the field. And that basically initiates a conflict and you get into a normal fire emblem grid map then at that point. And if you get a preemptive type strike, they'll they all have damage taken already. And then you do like a little mini skirmish. These are kind of small scale, like four to six enemies or something like that. And then you defeat them and you, then you're back onto like this dungeon and you're explore some. And, in these dungeons, you can find things like weapons. You can find, and this is kind of like Fate style, where weapons don't have durability or anything like that. Okay. Uh, but there's a little, there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, and then you can also find like items that you can put on your characters that heal them, and also, uh, this is where fatigue comes into play. Mm. So fatigue in this game only is a dungeon thing. It doesn't, it only, it doesn't have any effect out anywhere else in the game unless you're in a dungeon. And basically, the further you get into a dungeon, the more basically damage a character takes, their fatigue level drops. And the, the more fatigue they get, the lower their HP maximum is. So eventually, you get oh. to a point where like your 30 HP Cavalier maxes out at 13 HP instead type of thing. That's, oh, that's, that's interesting. Huh. The rest of their stats are not affected. So it's only, um, their, uh, so it's only their HP pool, not their strength? Or, okay. And it's to be honest, so far, fatigue hasn't really seemed to be a big deal to me. Like, enemies don't do that much damage where having a lowered amount of HP is really that big a deal to me. Like, obviously, don't put them out, like, in the front of everything. But, like, I don't really have to worry about it. It's like, oh, he only has 13 HP right now. I can do a couple battles where he just kind of fills in, you know, in the back or whatever. So, so far, it hasn't been that big a deal. But you can eat these items that you can get, like, that literally just fill their fatigue back up. And... One thing, kind of jumping a different, slightly different topic, weapons. 
so it's kind of like fate style where you you put a weapon on a character and each character literally only has one item that's it okay so you can, yeah I, only I one item about like it's expandable but yeah and if you give them a weapon that affects their stats a little bit kind of like it does in a uh, fates where like certain weapons might lower their luck or their speed or something like that um and it might increase their strength like for example if you put a steel bow on an archer they um their strength goes up but their speed drops dramatically which makes mm-hmm. um now if a character does not have a weapon in that item slot this actually confused me for like a couple of minutes is that like let's say your archer does not have a an item in the item slot he still has a bow like a default weapon that he can use but it's like how it works is like if you get an iron bow or a steel bow or eventually a silver bow and kind of give that to them in their item slot it kind of like supersedes the default bow that they always have and then affects their stats. So basically, so you're, you're trading character off. always have a weapon, kind of a default, but it's just not like listed in there. Okay, so you're for that. I was like, you're kind of trading off. Like, do you want like a, a more powerful character, or do you want them to be like a utility character with like a specific item? Well, the only thing I can tell, from what I can tell so far, the only things you can put in the item slot are weapons, like the health items, so they can kind of heal themselves or heal fatigue or there's also like shields and shields kind of do what you expect. If you like, I've only found like a leather shield, which raises their defense by three, you know, so that's, you can put that on anyone too. So yeah, if you, you can put your shield on a cleric and like raise their defense and it's kind of neat thing about it is that if you have a shield on the cleric, um, it'll actually show up on their in-game model. Oh, that's, that's cool. Neat. Um, now, uh, there's also the skill system. So, um, I haven't, I don't think I've seen all of it, but like, as you use a weapon, for example, if you give Ulm an iron sword, he can learn a skill from it. I think it's called like it's it's called like Wrath Cut. It's a little bit different from Wrath in the other games. And how these skills work is that you you it almost feels like old school SMT where like you sacrifice a little bit of your HP and then you can perform a more a more powerful attack. Mm. Or sometimes you can perform an attack that maybe heals you. But I know some that's like Soul and some of the other Fire Emblem games. So like it 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 costs HP to use these skills. Now, from what I also understand is that you have to have that weapon on them for them to learn the skill, but you have to keep the weapon on them for them to use the skill. Like, for example, Ulm learned this Wrath Cutter attack or whatever it's called. I don't recall off the top of my head from an Iron Sword. But if I, if I give the Iron Sword to someone else so they can learn the skill, he can no longer use it. Um, I hope I'm not getting that mixed up. Or I hope I'm not getting making a mistake on that, but that's what it seems well, like. Yeah, you're still early in the game. Like, we'll yeah, find I, out. I, I'm I'm in the middle of chapter two, which chapter two is basically the first Celica chapter. Um, so, so it's 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 certainly a different type of game. Um, there are a couple things that you can kind of tell are are basically holdovers just from the age of the original game that this is a remake of. Like, for example, I don't think there are any like. On any sort of battlefield, there are no items to pick up. There are no treasure chests. There are no thieves. Um, I don't. That's think good. Even, I, 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 yeah, I, I'd yeah. rather. I don't, I prefer I don't think that. You even. I don't think you even can recruit people in battles. Um, so, like for example, there was one battle I was in where there were some NPC characters that, as long as I kept them alive, they would be recruitable. But what I'm getting at is, is that kind of the battles are a little bit more straightforward than they are in some other games, because, like, I know some some games like. There might be some treasure chests in the upper right-hand corner of the map, but you kind of have to work your way there I relatively quickly. You kind of have yeah. to work your way there relatively quickly before the enemy kind of takes them instead. So it's kind of like a, it's almost like a side objective, and it kind of also forces you to not just take things slow. 
I feel like in this game you can kind of you're you're more Turn allowed to take a things, bit. yeah you're more allowed to take things slow if you want because there's most of the time there's no other thing to do other than just take out all the enemies so there's no reason not to go slow um but there was one level where there were a couple npcs i had to make sure they stayed alive so there might be a couple things i haven't run into yet but so far that's what i've seen there's also one other thing i kind of want to mention that i had no idea this was in the game and it's not a big thing mm-hmm. but like so the map is like a sacred zones or even like awakening type map right where you just little paths in between different nodes and like you can enter a city or a port and then in these ports you can talk to people like it's it, it almost feels like i don't know like shimigami tensei 4 where you kind of see these portraits uh in the room and you can select from a menu to talk to them and mm. things like that but there's also this function where you can examine the room and it kind of okay. it, it kind of brings up like a like a pixel hunt type thing where you get a little you get a little oh, that's uh, weird you get a little cursor in that you kind of aim it around the room and you can pick up like items that heal you you can also pick up weapons if there's some laying around um and things like that so and this these this you can sometimes um well actually sorry lost my train of thought a second but yeah there's a this is kind of like this pixel hunt thing it's not that big a deal really um but it's, it's kind of weird how you can go into any basically a couple different rooms in, in like the port and you can use this little icon to find some items you can even find some weapons like for example i found a rider's bane which is basically like a horse slayer um in one that's of that's bizarre <laughs> yeah I, I had no idea this was in the game me neither and, like I, I don't feel like it detracts from the game i don't feel like it adds to the game it's just like oh okay that's it's it. just you can do it if you want <laughs> yeah um and that's that yeah also one last thing i know mm-hmm. i've talked i know i've been talking I know. About time. are you still Sorry, that goes Zach's Zach, dead. Still, awake. Can't leave Zach still dead. here. I couldn't hear because Josh <laughs> interrupted you. So, yeah, I'm here. Anyways, I was just, I was, anyways the one last thing I want to talk about. There, this game does have supports. Now, I don't know if the original Gaiden had supports. I don't know where... Like, mm, no, I don't, I don't think, know the, I don't think Gaiden had supports, if I remember. Yeah. Or did Was supports first in Genealogy of the Holy War? I think so. Okay. Um, so, but there's not very many of them. Like, I, be- I believe Alm has, like, three people he can support with um most characters have two or even one i think three is the most so there's really not that many that's like less than um like even the gba games uh for most characters so it's definitely it's definitely different from like fates when basically any guy could support with any other girl type of thing um so people who are really like really big fans of the like the support especially the romantic ones there's quite a bit less of that um i don't know if there's a limit to like some games that you can only support so many people or so many times. Um, I don't know if there's a limit to that yet. I haven't gotten far enough. Um, but the supports in these games, there's not very many of them. So I was kind of hoping that they would be a little bit more substantial. One thing I kind of felt like in Fates was that there's just so many supports that they kind of all start to blend together and they kind of all feel the same after a while, blah, blah, blah. So, and I was kind of hoping the supports here would be more like, I don't know, Path of Radiance or Blazing Sword um but so far they kind of just been a little bit of banter between characters which is you know kind of fun but i wish i was i i I don't know if i'm supposed to be giving the impression on this yet or not but the supports are kind of they're pretty low-key it's just a little bit of banter a little bit of playful dialogue and conversation between characters but it's a bit different than what you would expect in fates so they're there but it's not it's not really a focus and also i guess a lot of characters kind of have like this kind of internal like inherent support as well um that like they don't actually talk to each other. There's no dialogue, but like in terms of the actual mechanics of the game, if you have, for example, Alm with any of the villagers that he grew up with, 
his friends. They kind of have like internal supports that will help each other in battle. Okay. So, so they're there. They're just a little bit different than what you expect. So that's kind of like my initial thoughts of the game. I'm in the middle of chapter two right now, which is basically the Celica chapter. And I'll give more full impressions next podcast. I guess. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more. Like it comes out next Friday, I believe, the 19th. Right? I sh- yes. I, sus- I, I suppose so. I should say one more thing. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. go for it. I mean, I'm more, I'm more for like hearing the, more about this game. The plot in this game so far, I would say it's already a, a notch up from The Awakening and Fates. It, it kind of feels like. So like, I don't remember Guidance plot at all. So, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sure it's super embellished. Um, I don't know how interesting it's going to get, but it kind of feels like at this point it's like it's foreshadowing itself a little bit too clearly. And I don't know if it's just trying. I don't know if it's if it's unintentionally trying to like give away the twists, or if it's like actually supposed to be like me, the audience. I'm aware of the twists already, and that's that's intentional or not. But it's like, just like ready to fucking throw you like, a curveball. Like for example, Almond Celica, like there's there's more to them than what they actually know. And it the way that the game like presents itself, it like like I think I already know what the twist is going to be, but I don't know if that's just like really obvious, like kind of poorly done storytelling, or if that's more intentional and there's more to it. What if the so, twist like, is I kind of feel like the story is going to kind. I kind of feel like the story is going to be a little bit more on like the, on like the the GBA game levels where it's like a it's like a decent serviceable story, perhaps not super interesting, but kind of as a vehicle for the gameplay works really well. But it's certainly I think, and especially with the great localization I, that I see so far, I, I think it's certainly not at least not this isn't a high bar, but at least not the disaster that Fates is. Um, yeah. So, so that's that. Let's that, see. That's good. I mean, I, I'm all for a Fire Emblem game. Just it feels. I, I have a feeling that people who are who started Fire Emblem with like the GBA games will probably appreciate this game more than the people who started started with Awakening. Um, it's just there's definitely some there's some definitely some differences to it that no other games have, like this dungeon crawling, which I haven't really seen a whole lot yet. So I have no idea how that's gonna how I'm gonna feel about that in the end. But it I'm it feels fresh in a way. I'm interested. I, I'm interested, like, uh, for Fire Emblem to kind of have, like, that that weird fan reaction of just awakening fans going, "This isn't my Fire Emblem." What the I, fuck I, is I, this? I kind of expect people to be like, "Where is the children? Where are these? Where's the romance support?" <laughs> this, 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 I kind of kind of wish would happen, like, in the next like Persona, for example. It's just like take away everything that's like bro, like yeah exactly like uh, post persona three people just take away everything they like like get away the social links get away the calendar date system get away fuck it take it back we don't want it yeah cool i mean i'm i don't know as, as much shit as i gave fire emblem echoes like from his announcement like it going by gaiden it sounds like they're making very meaningful, significant improvements to actually, you know, alleviate a lot of the problems that Gaiden had. Gaiden being just like just a, a, for its time, it's a ve- very ambitious, but at the very sa- at the same time very uh, slow going. Like maps were very huge, and just the technical hardware at that time just it made it a very slow burn and kind of uninteresting. Yeah. So I think this is taking the right steps and i i'm looking forward to it, the localization script it kind of well. feels like a it, it it does feel like a spin-off so like yeah in a sense in in ways so it's its own thing that's good i've talked enough about it 
<laughs> well, thank you so much, Adam. That was, uh, that was sorry great. to bore you, Zach. What? No, it's not boring <laughs> at all. I was actually listening the whole time, uh, and I'm interested to hear more about it. It's a series that I should really put more time into. I barely have touched the Fire Emblem series actually uh, in the grand scheme, and so it's something that I should probably give it a try. Uh, especially as a huge fan of strategy RPGs, I really should get on it. Uh, but yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's kind of been a carryover from the last podcast that I mentioned before that I was playing a ton of Neo again. Um, I took a little bit of a break because I had other stuff to review, but I got right back into it because it's so damn addictive. Josh knows. And yeah. uh, it's it's really hard to get away from once you kind of invested yourself into it. And so like I mentioned before, I had started the game over again to see if I could like rebuild my character up. So I got to about level 240, I think, is where I stopped. I think <laughs> I said three, Only uh, level 140. Yeah, I think I said 300 last time, but I was wrong. Is yeah. 240? 240. Um, oh, 240. Yeah, 240. Uh, but I'm right now in the middle of grinding my character up. Uh, I started. <laughs> you need to do more grinding? Yes. Uh, actually, when I started this DLC that I'm going to talk about, I was at level 230. And so I've, I've gained 10 levels in about a week. And I plan on doing, actually, not even a week, like in two days. So I'm going to be doing a lot more, and I plan to get up to level, like, a few hundred other levels. I don't know. I'll see how it goes. There's a really good grinding uh, uh, stream that I figured out that it lets me gain, like, a level every maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> so it's not that hard. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I've been playing that Dragon of the North DLC that came out a couple weeks ago. I had intended to start it when it came out, but I had, you know, other stuff I had to deal with. Anyway... So, for people who don't know, the Dragon of the North DLC introduces Masamune Date. Put your guns on. And he is uh, this amazing character um, that uh, is just as awesome in the DLC. So, the big point here is that it picks up right where the events of the original Neo leave off. So, clearly, the only way you can access it is by beating the game. I would personally recommend you both beat the game and get about halfway into New Game Plus before touching this. Because unless you're leveled up... As much as I am, I am completely overpowered, by the way, in this. Um, so why are you grinding more? <laughs> and I'm grinding more because I want to be super overpowered for the next he needs DLC. The he wants to be a demigod. I am yeah. almost a demigod at this point because I kind of shuffled my way through most of this DLC. Uh, and I saw a lot of reviews about the complaints people had about the difficulty. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that even means. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. So but like I mentioned, it would probably be best if you got like halfway through the new game plus. Um before you touch this that's totally up to you if you appreciate the challenge uh i'd say you know just go right into it if you well, want to just just ballpark i just gonna be hard for you to matter just ballpark like what like what minimum level should you be to tackle this dlc um i didn't look at the actual like numbers i would say maybe well considering you when you beat the game originally they expected you to about, about like 150 160 i forget what it was i would say like 180 you know or 200 it, as you know it, 200 might be a little bit high even so the thing though is that the bosses you face in this dlc are extremely difficult if you're not prepared for them like i was mm-hmm. because they have a lot of cheap moves a lot of things that break through your guard and completely obliterate you if you're not prepared and so, luckily, I had spent, I had I used a, that book of reincarnation, and I decided to just build my character off from there. So, I was able to get into this, and I will say the DLC is short. Uh, you're not going to experience a whole lot of content in this. I will mention, though, that they introduced some new uh, yokai, 
uh, like for example, one of the things is I f- I think this is what it's called. I- I'm I'm just guessing off the top of my head. It's, I think it's like the Rokuro Kubi. Uh, I think that's what it's called. I could be completely I can be completely wrong, but it's what happens is that if you happen to say attack the enemy, it's just a normal human dude walking around, and then if you attack him, all of a sudden like a big snake head pops out of his of his neck and just shoots oh. up and hmm. uh there's a human head on, on the end of it and uh what it does is that it has like these uh swinging attacks that like you know it can just take its head and just like slam down like about uh, 20 yards ahead of it and Shit. swing around and uh cause a lot of like area damage and also it can shoot like fireballs and poison balls at you <laughs> if you're not prepared Great. so it, it is annoying as hell sweetens the package so you know what you got to do is of course get behind it if you can and just do the back damage because if you've leveled up your character properly with the right skills there's those passive attacks that cause you to do more damage when you're behind an enemy and that can take care of it. I can't speak for the New Game Plus version of it, but it wasn't that hard, but it can totally overwhelm you if you're not prepared. And I saw a lot of Revenants or the dead characters um, on the ground that died because of those things. So, How do you this, access this DLC? So all you have to do is, you know, you can uh, buy the Season Pass uh, like I did. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think you can buy it separately. So oh, really? It, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, because when you go to decide to buy it, it's either you have to buy like the digital deluxe version of Neo, whatever that has the uh, season pass, or just buy the season pass. Which you know, it's twenty five bucks, and you get three DLCs. I think the so this is the first one here is Dragon of the North, of course. I think the next two, uh, it's like Defiant Honor and Bloodshed's End. I think that's what they called them. And the so this one is all about fighting in the northern Japan, and so when you um, when you beat the game, it unlocks that new region if you already had the okay. DLC downloaded, uh, and so yeah, it, it, that's why it requires you to beat it because that next thing in the menu, the next region you can access, doesn't show up unless you've beaten the game. So uh, just like if you went through New Game Plus or just regular the game, so that was what I experienced. You have two main story missions. And uh, about, I think it's like four or five submissions that you can access. It still uses a lot of the regular yokai, the regular enemies that you fought before with some palette swaps. Uh, goody. Uh, they do introduce two new characters. That one I mentioned that has the snake head and, uh, the, or serpent head. I don't know what you would call it. And then the other one is like this giant, almost Dark Souls enemy that's like uh, a tall yokai with like, like straw jacket on or something it's like a poncho kind of thing that's wearing it's pretty intimidating when you first uh approach it and it's got like these two giant knives that uh can really destroy you yeah and it's got like these really quick attacks that you have to be super prepared for and so that thing can, can kind of demolish you uh if you're not super prepared like i am like i said so i was able to manage my way through some of that uh, and it does that typical thing where, like, the submissions is, hey, let's throw two bosses at you instead of just one. You know, it has some of that. Uh, and it still has a lot of the other enemies. There's a lot of humans. You find a lot of humans in this DLC because it's moving more towards the uh, uh, the Toyotomi clan, which people who don't know the Japanese history. That's kind of like the last people that fought the Tokugawa before they wanted to run the entire country. Uh, it's like the last sort of resistance. And so that's what this whole, all three DLCs that they have planned is all about that. So this first one introduces Masamune Date um, and this Spaniard named Maria, 
she's hot. And so you fight, you fight, <laughs> you fight both of them. Uh, I'm not going to spoil the 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 uh, story or anything like that, but you do fight uh, uh, these two characters. That's what the DLC is all about. And then I think this, the next DLC is all about the Siege of Osaka, which is about the Toyotomi clan's kind of like the last stand. And mm. then uh, the third one, um, I think it's Bloodshed's End. I, I, that's, I'm just guessing what that is. Remind that, me, this is the, the Dragons. What's the, Dragon the, the DLC North. you're playing now is yeah. the first story DLC, right? Yes, and they have two more coming. Uh, okay. They haven't announced the details about the next two. Uh, they kind of like this one. They just kind of announced like the, the the names of it, and then just this is the first time they really shared some more details. So the Dragon of the North DLC, just to kind of very briefly mention what's included with that, it's what I just mentioned about the story, and then you've got four new Guardian Spirits, uh, which I didn't really touch much with because my build uh, didn't really need any of that stuff that the other ones were calling. You get the cat, <laughs> I will mention. Josh knows what I'm talking oh, about. You get the cat yeah. as one of yours. Oh. And then oh. the other, there's two, Masamuni Date has two of them, and then there's a fourth one that you pick up as well. But uh, And there's more Kadama, which are the little uh, green Kappa spirits that you can pick up that help uh, you increase the percentage of drops you get or uh, Amrita or the experience that you get, that kind of thing. Uh, so you, you got that. And then there's the Odachi weapon, which is kind of like a... Um, it's a giant uh, samurai sword, like a claymore, uh, or like, you know, the Masamune from Sephiroth or something like that. It's like a giant katana. And so that weapon, I, I made a new build around that, and I I posted a video on the RPG site Twitter account that has that build uh, as it stands today. I do plan to still work on it. That's kind of like why I want to grind more, because I can kind of max it out and, and really go for it. Um so that's that's kind of what it is and of course it's got its own uh dojo and its own skill tree that you can work on and the, How's the skill tree for that like what kind of skills does it uh come with well so it's uh i'm trying to remember because you've got the um i think the the big thing is is it's so, so the thing about the dutchy weapon is that it's good about uh attacking enemies in a group but it's slow it's slow at the same time, so you have to uh, you have to be super careful because when they get too close and they just start gaining up on you, it doesn't really work that well. So I think that uh, I'm not playing it right now, so I don't know exactly what the skill tree yeah. looks like. But I do know that one of the uh, the uh, the um, mystic arts, which is kind of like the special skill that you get for a uh, weapon if you've maxed out its skill tree kind of thing. Uh, you deal more key damage to an enemy, oh, okay. so you can wear them out a lot quicker. So, and that's with enemies that are attacking. And I think there's another one where it's like uh, you it, it can it can attack enemies that are trying to. Uh, sorry, uh, they can't break your guard. Uh, there's like there's wow. like a thing that yeah, it actually prevents them from uh, breaking your guard. So you can just defend for days, and it doesn't uh, doesn't just knock you right out of it. Um, Unless your key is all the way to zero, you know, and you're exhausted. Uh, key is the stamina bar for people who don't. Yeah, know I, was, I was actually about to ask, like, is there a stamina in this game? Yeah, okay. that, that's what it is. So it's just like Dark Souls. But it's just it's like Operation Babel. There's the jargon everywhere. Yes, Adam. It's impenetrable. It I will say the cool new thing about this game, about this DLC, is it introduces uh, the ability to equip two Guardian Spirits. 
as opposed to just oh, one. Oh, that's crazy. And yeah. you can swap them in combat, too. So you've got your main one, of course. That, do you, uh, do you, you have, can... like, the bonuses for both if you have them equipped at the same time? Or do you, like, when you swap them, that you gain the bonuses of that instead? It's that, um, the latter. Because, okay. uh, generally speaking, you know when you've got a Guardian Spirit attached, you've got those active abilities, the, the main benefits. Um when you have oh, for the the sub the sub guardian spirit um you don't get the active abilities that it grants you uh like all right you know, yeah like i was gonna like lose like my a... mind if you told me like they were active both as heads like wow that sounds really fucking <laughs> no, broken. no 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 but it does uh give some passive bonus benefits of course uh yeah. like you know you've you've got a little bit bonus to uh your Emrita gauge or something like that. Uh, or actually no that's that's an active one uh, it's just more like you know ele- elemental resistances and things like that so okay. it's it's very uh basic like that but yeah you can swap them in combat you just have to hit two buttons like r1 and l2 i think it is so it's it's not as uh, intuitive oh. but it is good because you don't accidentally like hit the buttons yeah. uh you want to be able to get it so it's like when you remember that that button uh pro- or button config it's like oh yeah i can do that <laughs> yeah exactly uh there's also the pvp but that's free you know you don't need to own the dlc to to get access to that i didn't touch that because i from what i've heard and what i already assumed was gonna happen it's super <laughs> unbalanced because you've got people that are level 750 that glitched the game or something like that that are able to get up there so even if you probably could take them on um... uh they're completely broken uh even if all the nerfs they've introduced over the past several patches it's 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 a joke. Like, don't. Is, I would is not there like it. is there like a matchmaking? Like, you can like set up like tournaments that like, hey, like the, the the accepted levels in here are like from this level to this level, like kind of similar to how Dark Souls tournaments are. Probably, but I haven't touched it at all, so I'm yeah, not. I, I don't. I'm not a much of a the, PvP guy anyway. Yeah. So. I, I want to see if there's like any tournaments about that and see like what actual like quote unquote competitive Neo play looks like with regulated rules. Yes, of course. Uh, so, you know, an, another thing they also introduced is the. Um, the ability to play as the female characters you can transform into them so uh the people that don't know it's that uh you fight those revenants i was talking about which is kind of like the people who don't know it's like in uh dark souls the bloodstains you know you went across you see like a, a message that they left and in neo uh you can walk over to them and then you see their level the equipment they are wearing and then you can summon those uh revenants out of the ground and then fight them. And by fighting and killing them, you get the chance to uh, pick up any one of those armor sets that they had on them uh, and their weapon or the weapon. And then also some glory points. So what you do is after collecting so many glory points, you can go to the hidden tea house and use the points like a currency to buy skins for your character. And sh- and so you transform into them. And so in... um. In this game, in, in this one, you actually can um, transform into one of the female characters, which is something that is awesome that they did because that's one of the things that was kind of people were bummed out about in the original. You can only play the male characters, so in this one, you can actually yeah play the female characters. And so uh, I think so. I'm trying does to remember it what the, the, so. does it have Williams voice over them, or do they actually have like the female actresses voice on them? So the problem is that they're extremely <laughs> expensive. I'm almost 100 oh. sure that it's the, it's it's Williams voice because they don't want to like you know uh, go through it all again. And I played as um, uh, one of the revenants. Actually, it's like a zombie uh, you can transform into. Um, so the. Uh, in, the, in this though like i think it's um you can transform into fuku uh which is the uh the ma- the 
The shrine maiden? The shrine maiden or... character that you've got. Uh, I forget if Okatsu you can transform. I don't, I don't I, remember. I think, I, I think Okatsu is one yes, of them. Yes, you can transform to Okatsu and then also the... Uh, uh, the uh, I forgot the, the other blacksmith trick. girl. You can actually t- oh, transform into her as well, which that's is cool, <laughs> pretty awesome. And then the uh, other one is the um, the girl that kind of uh, joins you in that one mission. I f- I'm forgetting her name, but she's she's uh, was it it's not Munushigi a uh, um, is, it, is it is it earlier? Oh yeah, Tachibana. Yeah, yeah, Tachibana. the one who's like searching for like her was it husband? I think she's or the beloved present. one. Yeah, so she's the, she's like this. <laughs> the great thing about her character is that she's sort of that aloof, uh, uh, noble girl. Like uh, it's like this uh, sort of like you know in an anime where it's like this girl who's like very um, proud of herself, like proud and noble, and got like the samurai spirit in her. But she's very like. Um, dense <laughs> she's kind of an yeah. airhead so she's like oh, wow what happened here that kind of thing uh yeah. it's and, and she's uh shocked she's like one of those types of characters I, I i have a hard time describing exactly what i mean but she's just that kind of character that uh uh you know so kind of like cutesy naive character. yeah cutesy naive character um but um yeah apparently it costs seventy thousand glory no fucking way really Seventy thousand. <laughs> holy and, shit that's to a give lot you of uh, to contrast that the uh before you could transform into the the final boss in neo and that was twenty thousand so seventy thousand glory to uh do that that's uh you, you gotta have a lot of dedication if you want to transform to your waifu i guess yes that's that's very true and just to give you <laughs> an idea i was grinding for glory the entire game i got about uh thirty thousand so i've got i've not even halfway <laughs> so it's gonna take a lot of work that's part of the reason why i want to kind of work on grinding but you know if i built my that's absurd yeah. oh my god and and also to give you an idea about how long it takes you i fought a level 200 revenant and i got about 100 some glory how do you get her like co-oping i mean i know you get glory for co-oping but i don't remember how much you get but it, it can't be that much more oh i haven't i haven't touched the co-op in like a month or two so i don't really remember how much you get from that it's still not that much uh yeah it's still it's not, probably that much. not it's as still, fast as getting seventy thousand. is still yeah way yeah. and above mortal means exactly so that's pretty much what i've been playing all this time um cool. and i will mention that the yeah the dlc wasn't that great but the cool thing is is that it sort of leaves off on a cliffhanger because that's how it's going to lead into the other story dlc and it's not as awkward as other dlc people have experienced it kind of fits in very well to the narrative that game already was telling so it's sort of like you know it definitely feels like an expansion you know a story expansion ah. not just sort of uh coming out of nowhere like oh we're back at it again not those guys it's the really lame sort of cliffhanger it actually works well and the characters the new characters are really cool and i'm very interested to see where they go from there um Mm. but it's short it's it's kind of a uh inflated a little bit a little bit by the difficulty because if it wasn't for that it probably wouldn't be much at all uh and so what's, the what's gonna be the level requirement? Huh? What's gonna be the level requirement for the next DLC? Two hundred fifty, three hundred. I mean, I'm already at. I mean, to be honest, uh, you know, you've got the regular version. Uh, excuse me, the uh, the normal uh, difficulty or the new game plus difficulty. And so right now, I feel like if I wanted to play this on new game plus, I should probably be like level three hundred because <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not I, even at the level I'm at. Um, I did run into some uh bottlenecks in the maps themselves and the maps are okay like they have a new the the big thing here is that they have a snow maps and that looks nice uh but Mm. they're not as 
detailed or intricate as some of the other ones that are actually in the main game itself. So it's it's not as crazy, uh, but you know people are kind of expecting that. They, it's kind of like what you would have seen in the normal game. So it's don't know, don't expect something just mind blowing as far as the level designs. Um, so how many hours are there, can people expect that? It's like five, five uh, six. Not, not even that. Like a couple of hours. Yeah. You know, depending okay. on how hard it is for you to get through that like i got through not even maybe not even two hours i don't know because it's mostly cutscenes. <laughs> so you can oh. probably get through that like in an hour you know but three dlcs you know like we're talking about like eight bucks a pop if you're talking about 25 dollars. i got this on the discount i think i mentioned this before but like when yeah. sony was having yeah the uh discount got, Neo, you got the season the pass when doing... yeah it's like 12 13 bucks so <laughs> i was ha- more than happy to spend that kind of money on on something that i've been having a lot of fun with and i feel like you know it's going to be one of those games uh that i'll be fighting very hard for at the end of the year but uh, even with the competition i feel so strongly about this game that <laughs> even if it wasn't a 10 to me uh, it was such a strong, strong game that I. The only reason I docked at a point before was because like it didn't have it lacked variety in the enemies. That was really it, and the that problem still exists here. Uh, but I still highly, highly recommend people play this game. Um, it's way more accessible to me than the the Soul series ever was, and you know for people who are kind of. Uh, concerned about the difficulty once you get through some of the early bosses in neo it sort of it sort of opens up and becomes uh more enjoyable uh though with the dlc the two bosses you fight are super aggressive <laughs> like they're all up in your face all the time so well yeah that's that's, that's kind cool. of been it uh yeah. and um, i'm also got to hearing more yeah i've got like three games to review so i gotta i i can't unfortunately i can't focus on grinding now i have to review a few games so uh yeah. Uh, that's 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 probably going to be what my summer project is. Any case, let's get on to the news. And so first off, uh, we've got some first-handed details on the uh, some characters that are returning in Trails of Cold Steel Three. Yeah, uh, Agate and uh, Tita from the Trails in the Sky uh, series mm-hmm. are coming back in Trails of Cold Steel Three, um, which is uh, very cool to see. Uh, uh, two of them. The two of them are having fan favorites. Uh, Tita is, you know, uh, tra- uh, part of Thor's two now. Uh, I don't know. She's not in the the, the class that Reen is teaching, but um, she's she's there to kind of gain the mentorship of uh, a new character, Professor uh, G. Schmidt, um, and she's uh, working alongside him. Kind of, they didn't go too much into what they're exactly doing okay. there, but okay. one that? second. Let me just jump yeah. in. First of all, wasn't uh, I haven't played the Cold Steel games, but I've like covered them a bit, and I've mm-hmm. done enough looking into it that I've kind of gained a couple things from Osmosis or whatever. Yeah, uh, I have played the the Sky games. Wasn't Smith in the other Cold Steel games? Uh, the, Ru- Professor Russell was in the other. Well, well I mean, Tita's dad. I I, to, I think Schmidt might might, might have been in the. Was he in the sky? I, I think they mentioned no. him in sky. Well, from what I could tell, like there was this one professor Epstein. He's like the oldest or whatever, and he had three students. One of them was Russell, Tita's grandfather. One of them mm-hmm. was Smith, and one yeah. of them was another person that I don't, I'm not familiar. Yeah, with. like, from, it, what like I, it, from what I understood, Smith was is basically like the Erebonian kind of like head head scientist dude. Yes. He was in the Cold Steel games, and like he developed like the the Panzer things or whatever. Yeah, um, he's like, he's considered one of the three pupils that you were mentioning. Yeah. So, um, for, from what I understand, I, 
I mean, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I haven't actually played Cold Steel. It's like now he's basically like a he's kind of like a, a like a an advisor type specialty mm-hmm. kind of position at Thor's too. He's not like yes. faculty there. He's just kind of like you know a special seat. And he's basically basically Tita is going to be his new pupil. Yeah, but but the, Tita is actually like pertaining Thor's to like under like the administration class uh, yeah. there. So I'm not exactly sure what they're doing together. Of course, they want to keep that under wraps. But it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see because Tita is definitely at like that rebellion phase because she's in Erebonia now under like against her mother's wishes. So Erica, yeah. I can only imagine Erica's fucking pissed about this, which is her mother. Um, especially, especially with Agate uh, basically tagging along. So yeah, yeah. She, 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 I don't think Schmidt and Russell are on uh, very good terms. So like having the Tita's uh, grandpa like. Um, seeing like a rival have her as her kind of like people now, now i'm trying to remember right mm-hmm. professor russell is erica's dad right yes it's not erica's not tita's dad. dad okay no it's erica's dad yeah, yeah i'm pretty sure that's the case yeah, yeah. uh and then now uh, so mm-hmm. this is like three or four years after the sky series right or yes yes because she's she i think i think tita is like 11 maybe turns 12 in like during like maybe in between second chapter and third and then she's 16 here yeah and then so it's kind of weird like i i know a bit about the cold steel games but i like zero and ow are like a total black hole to me like i have no idea what happens in these two games it's okay a lot of a lot of people don't know and it's like it's 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 like kind of important but uh, we'll see how they figure that out because cold steel 3 is definitely good this is the first time tita and agate have been seen since the third yeah, right. they haven't been seen. So we long. really don't know what they've been doing this whole time, like in these in these couple of years. Not really. I mean, you can they they have a little bit of background for a guy. I mean, like Tita, like I, obviously she was only twelve, so she was probably just growing, growing up. up. <laughs> <laughs> I got the, uh, was a bracer, and he became an A rank bracer in that time. Yeah. So it's like doing whatever missions. And basically, I think what the what the press release, Japanese press release, basically all it said are kind of the things you would expect is, yeah. um, they both know that the secret society stuff is going on in Erebonia. Um, Agate kind of goes there to check things out because he's an Yeah, he's working, with the, he's working with Olivier to... Uh, to I think they're going to focus on, like, they have, like, the true nature of the Havel incident, and Agate actually has personal ties, a personal reason to, like, un- investigate that. Yeah, and also... Because... Yeah, which is... Uh, he, he, I guess there was more to the Hundred Years' War that, mm-hmm. like, that obviously Agate has... Pretty darn close ties to it's mm-hmm. a gate, right? Like I kind of yeah. was sure. Yeah, it's, it's a gate. Yeah, in sense. Um, so like, and is... then like Tita obviously is a scientist, and obviously her grandpa, which is like her father figure, basically is good friends with this Erebonian scientist, and like, hey, if I can go there to learn about these weapons and learn about the society and things like that, I'm going to do it. Um, so that's why she goes there. It's just yeah. like what are they? What what's kind of all it's, it's it's kind of a weird perfect storm. I mean, we, I'm sure that like we kind of like kind of biffed some of these story bits because it's been a long time. Like trying to remember things that happened in the trail series is. Well, I mean, I played those only recently, but it's just yeah. like at the end. Yeah. Of, I mean, all that really happens in the third is like they are testing new weapons. Uh, Erica meets Agate. They know about <laughs> Potter Modder, which is. Ren's little Gundam thing, and they're tr- basically trying to create weapons to kind of combat that. But like in terms of the stuff that kind of comes later, like I don't know. Yeah, because, because yeah, because Liberal's in a weird situation where the Hundred Years, uh, I mean Hundred Days War happened there. So due to that, they're behind technologically compared to Crossbell 
and Erebonia, which are very much deep into their technology technology trees, and uh, like the concept of like even things flying like in Liberal is like fucking fascinating. While in Crossbell and Erebonia, it's like yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know. Mm. So it's cool to see them back. Um, they also mentioned uh, a few new gameplay systems. Well, not new gameplay systems. Uh, in Cold Steel 3, like we saw from the preliminary screenshots uh, during the game's reveal, that uh, they have a, like a direct command system now. It's kind of, it uh, mirrors a little bit of uh, Persona 5's uh, philosophy during battle, where assigning action to a face button, which you know really helped Persona 5, like you know, speed up battles, make them flow a lot better. It just feels nicer to do instead of like kind of scrolling menus and getting what you actually want out of it. It's just right there. Um, that, Cool thing about this in uh, Cold Steel 3 is that there's like battles happen seamlessly now. So uh, whenever you encounter an uh, uh, enemy on the field, uh, you actually take place, uh, you actually do battle right there and then. There's not like any like scene transitions. It's like whatever the surrounding scenery is. Wherever you... Yeah, a little bit. I kind of want to see that though, because some games do that better than others. Like yeah, like I know, I know, I know like, <laughs> well, I know, like Tales, Tales of Zestiria. Yeah, like, I was that was one. About that. Yeah, that was one thing they kind of really advertised was seamless transition, but it was it like was shit. barely a seamless transition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was technically, and, and uh, but it just wasn't very good. And I also thought it was kind of funny that like uh, I think uh, Star Wars Five did it okay. Back a bit from that. Yeah. So. Uh, I trust Falcom that they'll do good. Right. I, um, another cool thing is that they have this new uh, Brave Order system. So each character has like their own special unique order type style, and this won't use up their turn, and it affects the whole party. So um, you use it, and then like it gives your, your whole party like various buffs or effects uh, to that end. So it's kind of um, giving you more options during battle. And also style change, uh, which is... I, this is only uh, revealed only for one of the characters so far. I imagine other characters will have a similar thing, but like one of the characters, Juna, she has like these like pink like tonfas that function as like guns as well. She has like gun yeah. tonfas. So the style change is you can actually like switch between your gun mode or a tonfa mode using this. So it's gonna be interesting to see like if say Rian has a style change like a different style, for example, or like because he has like the eight leaves kind of thing going on. Um, I mean, there's a couple of games that kind of have like unique characters like that. I, oh man, I don't remember what it was. Seventh I Dragon, said, maybe? Where like, I don't remember if it was Seventh Dragon or not. Where like the samurai character kind of had three or four different samurai stances that affected how they participated, oh, but like okay, no other cool. character had anything similar. I, anyways, all I'm saying is it would be kind of yeah. neat for one character to kind of have this like unique stance type thing that kind of plays into a part. I, I don't want them for every character. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't want this for every character. I kind of like. It's cool that like the the for Juna's case because her weapons are so unique. But I I don't want every character like a style yeah. change for some reason. Just kind of it, it to me that le- would like lessen like the specialness of like that system. Yeah, it's also it's also kind of weird too because uh, Lloyd, the main protagonist of the Crossbell series, he has Tonfas as well. And like since he's a he's a police officer, it it, it kind of doubles as like uh or but uh, like shock batons. Yeah. So like. So he kind of charges the electricity, like kind of inca- incapacitates foes like that. It's pretty sweet. Just, yeah, it's fucking bizarre. Um, so it's also, cool. this I, game is coming out on September twenty eighth. Yes, I'm that's right. That. I totally forgot. Um, <laughs> September twenty eighth in Japan for the PlayStation Four. Only. So yes, it looks like 
Trails are cool still too, though, like visually. So, but still, coming to the it, I don't know. It, it looks it looks a lot catching, better to me. Like Falcom is catching yeah. up <laughs> a little bit. Like, I, it, it doesn't look that different. Yeah, it looks no, totally. better, but it it's it yeah. looks better. I think it's that what's it's gonna happen is that it's like it's kind of like Disgaea. It's like visually, it might not seem like it's significant, but it's gonna be like you were already talking about. Like it's gonna be so layered in systems and mechanics and things like that that it's gonna make up for it. I just hope it also means that gonna put more work into the voice acting because <laughs> that's annoying that they kind of chose uh, still too did a lot better uh i just want you mean you just mean acting. like amount of voice acting yes that was the okay. problem with the, the, that's the, that's the cold steel pc the uh, yes. fix right that they're doing the five thousand english lines that's type of all xe though nothing to do with yeah. falcom so yeah. it's it's and you know if anything falcom refused to help xe and they handicapped them with wanting to put more dialogue in it so that's that's why they had to go yeah, around that route. So I mean, Falcon is definitely like the one-to-one type of deal on the consoles. That's why I'm hoping that this is something that they, with the um, additional improvements and what we yeah. talked about the fiscal year. I mean, that game's out in four months, so it's not like I'm going to expect something amazing just based on that. I'm sure the financials were surprised to them as much to was uh, to all of us. But I'm I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful because that game I hope gets localized very soon, and we don't have to wait however long to get it. It, it yeah. is kind of funny for like English speakers, like though it, it's very likely that the wait between like Trails Third and Cold Steel Third. It's like a decade since like, Trails Third came for this, out. Like, yeah. Cheetah stuff. Like yeah. we just saw them. So, I did check enough. it out. Like 2007 is when Trails in the Sky the Third came out in Japan. So yeah, I mean Cold Steel was kind of like years, I even so. like even games yeah. like I mean a lot of the earlier Falcom games, well, not earlier, but like like East Origin and Orphan Talgana, like came out in 2012 or 13 here but there were like six and seven and yeah. in japan so yeah yeah it's like, I think it seems like, like yeah. hopefully we're catching up well, i mean i mean yeah. at least like you know east eight is kind of like a side and in, in the right direction like yes. ex plus tokyo is to do ex plus to an extent like east eight only came out like what just or it comes uh, out soon the yeah that's i think not even out yet i think oh yeah that's right or, or yeah it comes yeah out, like this week or something yeah we yeah, don't we don't have a great history because if you think about what was it i forget what was the ps2 game that konami published that was Ark of Neptishtim. Yeah, Neptishtim, and that was the first game that we got like in twelve years or something like that. And then after that was the Bandai Namco Legend of Heroes PSP games that no one really likes to talk about that much. I kind of want to play those just because I'm oh. curious, but they're expensive. Especially yeah, the, I, I really they're not. Them. Yeah, they're not that. They're not. I know the localization on those is uh, not hmm. great. It's not great, but the games themselves were okay. Like the second and third ones were all right. I actually kind of liked them, but it's. Uh, it's definitely not something that you really enjoy playing after seeing how great XD did. Uh, it's really hard to go back to them, is what I'll say. So, moving on to the next piece of news then. Um, we'll talk about probably the most controversial thing uh, for a game that won... What was it? Was it, was it the winner? It's tangential for us. Yes. Uh, so, Square Enix announced that they are... Uh, due to the fiscal year ending recently for them and with the results of what happened, they're withdrawing from IO Interactive. They used to be a, a wholly owned sub- subsidiary of Square Enix, IO Interactive was, and now they're looking to find new investors for them. Apparently, um, they lost in what amounted to be about $48 million. And for something uh, that for, happened... For, yeah. Well, that's for selling for, it. What? Or, no, no, no. I don't it's know, I don't know selling it. They haven't sold it yet. They're looking for it. It's they they experience what's called an extraordinary loss, which is just an account, accounting term, which means like a one-time big loss. And a lot it's, of it it's, is accounting. It's the term. old. It's like the other definition for extraordinary. Literally extraordinary. Like this is not a typical loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's it's like the literal translation for that. So, um, 
what they said was yeah that based on that they they mentioned something else but it was mostly the result of hitman and they are a lot of people can point to it being episodic but it seems to be like you know the shareholders kind of forced the episodic nature onto the hitman game and you know i interactive took it and ran with it and did an amazing job with it and it's uh i shocked a lot of people when square enix announced this uh but you read the results uh the fiscal year uh report about that and it's kind of hard because you see that and the 48 million dollars but then another report comes out that says square enix had record profits uh, well, here's and the revenue. thing. Here's, here's the thing. And that's like tough. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to claim to be an expert at this financial stuff. But oh, how dare that, you? Why don't you be? Why? It's not that IO Interactive lost them money. What they're saying is the decision they made the decision to withdraw from the business, and that decision resulted in this loss somehow. Like they, they, they're, they're like eating this loss to, re, to because they feel like it's worth it for some reason it's, to do that. I don't think it's just like. IO Interactive lost us this much money, and it, why of else that. would they reselling them then? I mean, it's it's maybe not as the not the total forty eight million dollars, but a significant amount of it was. Well, I'm sure I obviously pretty... there, obviously there's something that they're not happy with. I don't think like I think saying IO Interactive lost them forty eight million yen is it's not forty eight million yen. It's forty million dollars. It's like well, like I'm reading the release right now. It's, it's four thousand or oh, see, four thousand million, million yen. Okay. Yeah, so. Someone said it was forty eight thousand dollars, and I just kind of laughed. Like that's what that's what that's what forty eight million yen is like. It's like four hundred eighty. It's like that shouldn't. That's, that's not man, that bad. If it was forty eight thousand, if it was forty eight thousand dollars, let's go fucking pull our like a lot of money right now and just fucking buy it. Let me get a Kickstarter going for I, <laughs> yes, but there go. it's, uh, I think the, the 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 thing though is that there would be no other reason that they'd be withdrawing from IO Interactive if they did not see a future for that series as far as profitability. Um, or at least what they were working with. So it doesn't sound like we're going to be seeing uh, a Hitman season two, at least anytime soon. Um, yeah, I, and, and it's the, weird. The bigger problem, because... though, is that I think it's a repeat of their problem with Tomb Raider, uh, in that their expectations were way higher as far as the number of units that needed to be sold. So Final Fantasy 13 and 15 can sell poorly, but when it comes to in, in the West anyway, and then when when a game like Deus Ex or Hitman or Tomb Raider comes out, then that's always like, you know, let's get rid of that first. Deus Ex gets shelved, Hitman gets shelved, Tomb Raider goes like this weird exclusivity, exclusivity thing with Xbox that didn't seem to be a smart move. It seems like they take all these weird risks with their Western properties, but when it comes to the Japanese side of things, it's it's like they go bigger, like more mass mass market with their games. It's it's such a that, that publisher the way it operates is so damn weird. Um, and we were and and we should mention this too. It's that there was a story, and Adam, you mentioned this before. That it's a story came out of the German a, a German uh, site about that they think that the team uh, IO Interactive still owns the rights to Hitman, but that doesn't seem to be corroborated. Yeah, lo- so. it's it's the site GameStar.de. Um, apparently, I think that's the original source, and there might be others too. That like they have a source that says that IO Interactive will maintain the hitman ip so basically I don't, yeah I they're selling that. them yeah, obviously yeah. that's you know that's second hand type stuff so it's like not confirmed or verified I mean, or anything i don't yeah. see that, that happening i don't see that happening i don't know because hitman uh, even if it didn't do that well uh in it's still sold enough that you know and there's still value to that property so i don't see square enix giving into that square enix seems like a very possessive company like they want to keep their properties like they still own a lot of different uh ips that they haven't really done much with like when are we getting a bouncer too <laughs> but it's uh I, I definitely don't see that happening um it's just a weird thing because like like i don't know if they ever included like an offline solution for the newest hitman but like 
I hope those servers uh, stay alive for quite a bit, I, and it's well, it's already it's already frustrating enough because like with Hitman's problems of like uh, the the contracts, for example, like permanently missable time things in that game. Um, I just it really makes me wonder like what happens to those servers and how long do they stay alive at this point? Yeah. Also, apparently, apparently, IO Interactive like just recently moved offices and things like that, and they even like even like rebranded their logo and website design and things Fuck. like that. So, like, I mean, they they would have like last year. Yeah. So oh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they would have known about what happened back at the end of March because of you know this was all well, they said as of March thirty first. Yeah. They decided to di- to divest. So um, one can only hope that maybe. EA will come and buy IO Interactive, and then we'll get a. Freedom. I don't want we'll, EA to do it. <laughs> no, no, it's because we can get a Freedom Fighters too. That's that's what I want. <laughs> the real end game. I mean, I I'd be okay with it. I mean, obviously, you know, EA doesn't have a great track record with their previous. Uh, well, IO Interactive is uh, what in Denmark, so I don't know. Does EA have much presence? Like, like, you know, kind of seg- segueing into like what EA did, like, you know, BioWare Montreal. Is... Yeah. Mass Effect on I, I, told, I totally forgot to, to write it down. Yeah. Mass Effect is fucking just the IP itself is kind of shelved for now until they have many years to think about what the, they want to do with it. Yeah. I just, I guess you're right about, you know, with EA, though, it's like they would become another like pandemic or something like that. And I would hate for that. Yeah. Pandemic was I, so good. I, <laughs> they just kind of Singularity was a great game, is what I'll say. Um, so, what was, what, was the, what was the exact details of the Bioware Montreal thing again? I I kind of skimmed over. They did I believe a just the Mass Effect Andromeda. IP. Yeah. Um, there's no plans currently to like continue it, and also I think Bioware Montreal is they're being. Okay, this like, might be incorrect. So there's infighting going on for sure. Yeah. Too. Like Bi- like Bioware Montreal. Like their staff is now going to be basically assisting on other Bioware projects rather than leading their own. I think so. Like basically, what's been happening since the last Mass Effect? It's going back to like that state, pretty much. Like Bioware Montreal, I believe, started out doing like Mass Effect Three multiplayer yes. type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like they're gonna or DLC, like they did. I, they did some of the Mass Effect, like even some of the single player DLC. But I think that's kind of they're gonna go back to that. Like not rather rather than helming a whole game, they're like. They're going back to like helping like Old Republic and yeah. stuff like that. That's I, I, that, what that may not be one hundred percent accurate, but it's I believe it's something along those lines. I mean, I mean, the, yeah. the, the big takeaway from it is like a kind of fucked up. Um, we can't do this anymore. I I just not for it's, a while. It's such a bummer to hear about that kind of stuff. Like I wish all the yeah. best to the BioWare. I'm glad at least that they're not hurting them. It's the same with like IO Interactive. Like I wish all the best to them, and I hope no one's going to get laid off from their jobs because especially that's after, so especially awesome. in the IO's case for their game. Is awesome. at least at least well critically received. Like it was it's our sold well it was too. our tangential RPG of the year. It was Giant Bombs Game of the Year. That's yeah, high marks. Yeah, so, big big fans. It, it, of it, was, it was so it was so unexpected too from Hitman. Like you, no one would really see that coming as well because Absolution didn't leave the the series in in a great state. So just seeing this as a like kind of a result of like one of the best Hitman games, despite you know it's you know structural problems. You can um, buy the 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 complete version now with all the previous like episodic stuff. So just go ahead and get that. Like anyone listening to this should go out and buy Hitman. Uh, the if the digital version or the physical version, whatever, just go ahead and pick that up. And while you're at it, pick up Alan Wake because apparently that's going to go away really soon. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's... it's like three bucks this weekend. Everyone should buy it. Um, 
yeah, it's it's a it's a big bummer. But yeah, same with Bioware, they shelved Mass Effect, and so we might not hear about that for quite a while. Um, All the best to you yeah. know both teams. It's uh, it's rough, you know. That's the uh, unfortunate reality of the video game business. Well, that's the reports going around. Uh, this is all like insider knowledge about that stuff. But apparently, like there was a lot of infighting, a lot of trouble with management and stuff. Yeah. Like they're changing, they completely changed the scope of the game late uh, in development, which is never a good thing to do. <laughs> uh, history would say, like, don't try to ta- mess with that, especially when. Uh, we're well past the concept stage, so that's that's kind of what caused everything to sort of fall apart. Like I think one of it was that what was it? They they had this uh, random generator of planets that would create like millions of different planets that you can go visit, kind of like Mass Effect Original or something like that. You can go there. But the problem was is that there wasn't very like a lot of meaningful content. So what happened was that there a lot of people got to work and try to start crafting this uh, incredible content. But late in the game, they apparently changed that to have only a set number of planets and to really focus on those. And so because they had already created all this technology to do like uh, all this stuff with these randomly generated planets, to then take it and try to put it into this other thing kind of wrecked the whole process. And they had a lot of trouble from that point on. So yeah, I mean that's. That. once again they, that like working in video games you you'll encounter stuff like that and just the game you development no, yeah, game yeah, 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 is what yeah, it sounds it's, like it's like <laughs> it sounds like hell. i mean it, it, it's hard because you're working on so many people so many teams hundreds of people that have lots of different visions and but you know at the end of the day who has the final say it's upper management you know you just you have you can only yeah, really but if they're today, fighting, today. If, if they're fighting with between studios like that, then it's and they're trying to help each other, but they're causing the chaos. I think the problem would be like you don't like. Maybe it's time to change management. <laughs> that's that's yeah. I mean, it, like it, yeah, easy to say, very hard to do <laughs> for yeah. sure. So, uh, moving on to the next piece of news that we've got here, we don't have a lot left, but we'll try mm-hmm. to because this the, the next two things kind of tie into each other a little bit. So, yeah. uh, Nintendo announced the E3 2017 plans. It's kind of what we expected uh, that they were going to hold their digital event. Uh, I forget what they called it, but it's the on Nintendo Spotlight. Nintendo Spotlight, which is whatever. Uh, so Monday at ten o'clock, I think it is on Pacific. That's uh, June thirteen nine a.m. It's June thirteenth, the Monday. I, I'm trying to pull up my calendar here. June thirteenth, so. uh, yeah. Tuesday. No, it's, Tuesday. oh yeah, historically okay. it's been Tuesday too, so that makes sense. Okay. So Tuesday morning at nine o'clock Pacific time, nine a.m. Pacific time, uh, they hold their typical event, and they said they promised a lot of uh, details about what's coming out this year, uh, like they always do. Like they try to keep a little short sighted yeah, here. They name drop uh, Super Mario Odyssey, so Super Mario I mean, that, that was always a given. Yeah, that'll be there, and that'll be playable as well. At E3 on the show floor for people, and they said other games, so it's not going to be another repeat of just having <laughs> one game. It's going to be other games. It's not going to be a fucking gigantic Super Mario Odyssey booth. In this. Yeah, I expect it, it to be the same thing as before. We'll have a bunch of games, and then Just Dance 2018 will have like a very empty booth area. Uh, I remember that picture I took for 2017. No one was that's there. Shit. So, or I think it was 2016. Anyway, so uh, yeah, other games, but during the week it's going to be that, and they're also going to have like hold. This is all top of my memory, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But they're going to have like arms and Splatoon two tournaments uh, during that I, time. Yeah, I think so. They're having a yeah. Splatoon World tournament on June thirteenth, and yeah. there's also a one. The second yeah, tournament the, uh, on June fourteenth is arms. So yeah, yeah there's a tournament on each day. Yeah, yeah. but Treehouse um, throughout the week as well, and it seems like yes, yeah, more Odyssey among the other games that they're going to talk about too. So. 
you know, that's that's Nintendo being Nintendo. They're not going to hold another press conference, and that's you know people it, who kind of expected otherwise are kind of crazy. Because why would they but, do that? Why would they go back to that after it being so successful in the first place? Yeah. So what do you want? What do you want to see from them? Either like they haven't announced it yet. They haven't announced. Talked whatever. about it. Atrium Odyssey Five would be great. Um, I want Second no, I mean, to Collection to be announced. Okay. Uh, well, from Nintendo, um, Mother well, Three, there's Mother Three, <laughs> uh, yeah, Virtual Console details and online details, I think, is required at this point. Yeah, Virtual Console is so weird. Like, I have quite a few few games on my Wii U slash like Wii Wii menu on Wii U. Yeah, this and better not be a case we have to rebuy the same games because fuck that, I'm not going to touch that at like, all. <laughs> I don't mind turning on my Wii U to play some virtual console games on there, but yeah. I, I, I kind of feel the same way about like PlayStation Three games or like PS Three, PSN stuff not being on PS Four. It'd be really nice if I could just somehow be able to play them on a Switch. I, I feel I feel not like it's better. PS Three games uh, like, on a Switch, I'd be loving it. Well, well, <laughs> well, one, I would hope there's they find a way to like you know have for your past you know. Uh, purchases of virtual console titles like there's some program they they run over to the Switch. Two, I find the concept of virtual console on the Switch much more uh, alluring than yeah. any of the past systems because of its handheld nature. Like, hey, you can like fucking play GameCube virtual console. I mean, kind of like kind of like, like, like oh, playing fuck. like yeah. PlayStation One games on Vita. Only it could be GameCube Digital. games on Switch. That yeah. Really well, neat. okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. Which is the one that had the uh, Passport program? Was that the Vita or was that the Nintendo? Because it had the. I know. Like, I know like Nintendo. You, yeah. I don't remember what they called it on the Wii U. Is if the only thing I know game, is transferring man, and that's not even fucking near this. <laughs> if you had a Wii, if you had a no. game on Wii okay. Virtual Console, and you had a Wii U, and you wanted to buy it on Wii U Virtual Console, it was like heavily discounted, but you okay. still had to rebuy it. You're right. And so, um, okay, so what I was thinking of was the it was the Passport program. So that was for the Vita, and that was the UMDs. Like, you could, if you own the UMD, oh, you can right. register oh, for yeah. it and get a free download for the Vita. They didn't bring that to North America so, or the West <laughs> period. So that really fucking sucked. Um, yeah, that was I never free understood games. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't because they, they knew that we were going to pay for it. So They hate us. They hate us. That's they it. hate us. They hate us. Um, but how about just, yeah, since we're talking about it, how about yeah surprise announcements? Instead of localizations, how about like brand new games? What would you like to hear? Maybe mm. I would, um, I got to mm. say, like besides a new Metroid game, uh I would like to see a new Yoshi game because I'm a big Yoshi fan. Or Kirby. Kir- what Kirby's coming to the 3 Studios but, working uh, on? Who knows that? Like, what's what? What is that studio anymore? It's like the remnants of what it used to be, for sure. I, I, I want I want a secret partnership that they finally announced together. Nintendo and EA. They bring the Star Wars uh, license over the Nintendo Switch, and they have you have a new Pod Racer game on that. Uh, sure. That's I played a bit of the, the uh, Star Wars the Episode One Pod Racer Two Pod Racer game. I would rather like, have a Rogue Squadron game than a pod racing game. That was my jam I back mean, in the day. Yeah, sadly, that studio is no longer around. What's it called? Yeah. Uh, Factor 5? Factor 5? Yeah, because okay. they got so... I yeah. love the Rogue Squadron games. I got so confused yeah, with level 5 and Factor 5 all the time back in the day. Um, yeah, like, I I would love to see just... You, you just reminded me. You, you, like, or a new you, IP. You know, you, you know what level 5 sees a Switch as? A new Inazuma Eleven machine. Yeah, that's that's okay. <laughs> I just never played those games, and I think Alex. I mean, you, you can now play it now too. I guess. Alex has got the only review for an Inazuma Seven, uh, Inazuma Eleven game on the site. Uh, like he reviewed that, and he didn't touch the rest of the series. So wait, oh wait, what he did? Which Inazuma Eleven game was that? It was the 3DS, like the most recent one, I think. Oh, yeah, well, we've got a review on the site. It was it's great. from years ago. It's from, yeah. like it's a 3DS entry, but um, I'm sure you loved it. 
of course he did. Uh, actually, he did. He actually enjoys those games. Uh, okay. Because it's, it's, it's soccer, you know. He loves it. Or football. He loves that stuff. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, from, he's from the UK. Of course he is. Uh, so lastly, uh, this last piece of news we've got here. Ben and Emco Fiscal Year Report. It revealed that, uh, well, we already knew this, but Dragon Ball Z Universe 2 for the Switch. We already knew that because that was announced back at the, at the event there. Uh, and that the Tales of... Uh, the new Tales of game and the Taiko Drum Master for Switch is coming inside of this fiscal year. I think, yeah, Dragon Ball Z Universe 2 was already confirmed for 2017, yeah, but the Tales and the Taiko Drum Master, we didn't know too much about. Um, so I'm curious about that Taiko game, because uh, I think it was... was I, I forget, someone mentioned this in our Discord, but being able to use the... Um, the uh, controllers, uh, the Joy Cons uh, to drum would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. That, that, I, I feel like that's like one of the most obvious things ever. But then again, I thought HD Pokemon Snap on Wii U was yeah. like the most obvious thing ever. So yeah, who knows? Well, they already but, announced a strategy RPG for the for the Switch, so they're already doing much better than they used to. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I think I really want to see that new Taiko game or whatever Taiko game oh, they bring to so the cool. Switch because the, 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 the that that machine, like now that I think about it, I was like it'd be the most ideal way to play Taiko outside of like being in the arcade, of course. <laughs> like the first like console thing to actually nail it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it it did already come out like on the Wii. I think it didn't it come with a drum. <laughs> like you could get it with oh, a drum. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so weird. But, but, but I mean, the, you only had like one remote. Wait, did it have dual remote functionality? I don't think not, so. Maybe with the Wii and the nunchuck or something like that. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. But you know, uh, the cool thing is that uh, the great thing is the Switch is you know region free, which yep. is not what the Wii was. What the Wii was exactly. And so and uh, it's very, very, very easy to like play Japanese games on the Wii. Exactly. I mean, not the Wii. I mean, Switch on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> about the Wii but yeah on the Switch yeah. so it'll be easy and then you've got the licensed music so you know the only real exposure people in the West may have for that entire series is either by um, you know importing it or something like that or like some mini games that try to rip it off like uh, Donkey Kong Congo whatever it was uh, yeah. or uh, Yakuza because you could go to the arcade and play it there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, have it there. Not much there. Oh, yeah. and, 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 and yeah. the, the Tales of Title. We don't know if it's a port yet or a, or a brand new entry. We have no I, clue. What you just said Tales of Berseria, Dawn of the New World. Yeah. Oh shit! All right. Not okay. even, like is that going to be the new Echoes? Like it's going to just add it to the end of it. I... Adam, I just want to let you know that courage is the magic that turns dreams <laughs> into reality. Oh fucking god! That game is so <laughs> stupid. Let me just say <laughs> out of is... context that. The villain in that game is actually probably my favorite Tales villain overall. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No uh, high standards. It, 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 it's also it's also very neat because like you, this villain like kind of you, you kind of fight him a few times and like you get your act completely fucking kicked. Oh he's he's like I don't want to go out to, off into a tangent, but he's like the only villain that's like not trying to like kill the world or sterilize the world yeah. or own everything. He actually has like a personal story like with noble reasons. Like this is why I want to do this and. It just so happens to be at odds with your party, so just it, it. Villains, I think, are usually disappointing, and that one's actually one of the few that I'm like, you know what? This villain, like, his motive actually makes some. Tales of villains are especially disappointing to me. Like yeah. when I think yeah. about like a series that like has consistently bad villains, it's yeah. tales. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, we might hear anyways, more about. So like 2018, I kind of feel like if it's late 2000 or what? What? What's the time frame we're talking about? These games that are like scheduled March for? 31st till of next year. Like they'll be out in Japan by March 31st of next year. I feel like that's almost too soon for a Tales title to be something new. But <laughs> too soon. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, I know Berseria might... in Japan came out like in last August or September or whatever, but still. Maybe um, they'll do uh, like an enhanced version of Berseria or something like how Graces from came from Wii to PS3. 
That's like, I feel guess. like if it's just a, if it's just a straight port though, like it's hard to see. What if, hard to if it's just what, a straight port, like it's hard to imagine it would be any better than the PS4 PC version. But Tales of Vesperia finally coming to Nintendo Switch, and that's the version that gets localized to English. Tales of which? Vesperia. Oh yeah, Vesperia. You mean the, the PS3 version? version? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I say, like, yeah. but, but that's that like, that No one remembers the Xbox version. It's okay at this point. Uh, Just yeah. make that Tales of Eternia too. I mean, there honestly, based on the way those games look, uh, I would expect it to be another the Mothership title to be to be localized. Because I mean, I people don't remember edge. Tales of oh. Graces was on the on the Wii first and only. Yeah. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. it was Graces that uh, was eventually put on the PS3. So. It's important to remember that kind of stuff because it so it does have a history on the Nintendo consoles. We'll uh, probably hear more about it like in a few weeks because that Tales of Festival is uh, like June second, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Coming up first week of June, and then whether they're going to show off like a teaser new Mothership title or an enhanced version of something, who knows? Maybe they'll just do like another like like Smash Radiant Mythology game. or another, that another too. fighting game. <laughs> it's, I can't wait. Yeah, uh, it's a Fantasia like port again. Yes. Oh shit. Another port for the Switch. Honestly, I would I would be okay with that. If it's the GBA version, that would be okay with me. So that's kind of it for like the big news. Um Koei Tecmo did announce that uh and this is kind of tangential, but Dynasty Warriors Nine is yeah. coming to the West. Uh the difference here is that it's an open world game, which is kinda awesome. I think that that's the that's the logical way for that series to go, even if it sounds kinda weird at first, because um, Dynasty Warriors Online was a pretty cool game, uh, but when it was localized, it was buggy as shit. And then uh, that's Nexon for you. No, I'm just kidding. I love Nexon. Don't worry about it, guys. And then we got uh, I think it was Nexon, right? Am I? I, I think know. I think it was Nexon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's a cool game. I think it got shut down not long ago. Uh, but yeah, they announced that, and that's coming to the West. They have more details coming up. Yeah, on um, Japan, it's coming out to PS4, and uh, the West, they said consoles. So yes, it's a PS4 Plus. Who knows? Probably Only a PS4 PC. Plus. Only the PS4 Plus. Oh, that's a new console, right? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the, I'm hopeful just, for it though. It's a, it, it sounds interesting because they're they're definitely like on top of the open world approach. It's it's going ba- uh, back to, like a historical periods. Like you say, like say you pick a character, they were alive during the El Turban Rebellion, and that they uh, died like shortly after. They, that would end that character's story. Meanwhile, if you like pick a character like was alive during like the Jin era, you wouldn't start the Yellow Turban. You would start the Jin era. Uh, and then you you actually live out their their life their time periods not not one character lives through all of it like some of the other dynasty warriors is kind of like bending history to uh, their will that's it's going to be more authentic more realistic in the dynasty <laughs> yeah. warriors game that's what you uh, obviously more authentic uh, the, this guy versus ten thousand people easy yeah, not nothing. that guy that kind of hung back and just died of old age or disease mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like yeah. what they probably happen uh, uh, I mean it's, it's not super 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 ambitious they have a yeah. grappling hook now to like scale walls it's it sounds all wild and I'm, I'm interested to see how it looks it's it's I'm very hopeful because I love that series uh, yeah I, I think it, yeah. It, that's definitely a series that needs like improvements immediately <laughs> they did it's, say oh sorry uh finish it just needs it just needs to try out something differently and something very new and uh them to finally like catch on to that and make these kind of events like it sounds it scares me a little but this is kind of necessary for me to like get back into it because i've been out of the loop for so long and i, I, I do like the series it's just it feels more of the same every time a new mainline title comes out. See, we didn't even mention that uh, this is the first game where they're not using PS3 assets. Four oh, years yeah. later, they're not using PS3 assets in there. There you go. 
and that's uh, so it's all new assets uh for i don't know if it's a new engine as well but i would guess so maybe i guess so but maybe it's uh, if it's if it's coming to consoles it hopefully will be like yeah playstation 4 and xbox one or pc not ps4 and vita please for the love of God! No, no, there, stop there's no way. There, there, no, there's not. There's not for an old game. They, they they already announced it's like PS4. Yeah, Japan, so. good, 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 there's good. Because yeah. uh, although, like I said, I love the Vita to death, but it's kind of holding things back when you want the huge. That would probably games. melt the Vita if they tried to. Yeah, do that. that's, that's what there. I'm thinking too. It's like, too. hey, you want to play like two frames per second? Like, Vita's cool. perfect for the smaller games. It just or the RPGs that don't take a lot of assets. But for an open world game, it's probably and you know people probably don't want to really play an open world game on such a small thing anyway. Who knows? Maybe this actually. I don't know. I'm not switching the okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm probably saying things that aren't true at all for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> oh, and we didn't mention this as, as well because it has nothing to do with RPGs, but uh, the creators of Guitar Man and Prapper the Rapper are making a new game. Oh, yeah. And I had no. I, I, when I heard the news, I was so fucking excited because uh, Guitar Man, top five of all time for me. Um, so, Very yeah. Good. And the, the good thing is, like, Messiah Matsura. He has been doing almost nothing <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And then you've got, you know... Ichi Yano was Guitar Man. Yeah, but he's... he's you know, If you don't remember, Guitar Man was published by Konami. So yep. he's also been doing... Like, that was like... that was like It was at the time when that, like, Yaya Kabbalista came out. <laughs> no one remembers that game either. Um, but he's been doing next to nothing either. A lot of them is just, like, mobile games and stuff like that. I think... Was it Matsura put out that... Wii eShop game that we wear game uh, that the marching yeah, game yeah like, like what was it uh, uh, was it like a bundle eShop game like it was like a like a fuck I forget I what it's about. called I think it's it's like something about like uh, they were it was I'm gonna look this up because it's gonna mix me that oh yeah, yeah. Major Miners Majestic March and it was for the okay. Wii yeah that came out and then he put out that haunt game for the Xbox 360. People don't remember. It's like a haunted house game. It was really bad. I don't even know. Uh, he's been doing almost a... nothing. Like he had an Apple TV game. <laughs> that was okay. So Project Rap Rabbit. I yeah, I am super excited. The cool thing is, like, if you follow the uh, Twitter account, there's already a ton of fan art <laughs> for the characters wow. from the poster and the little bit of trailer, the teaser mostly. It was just an animated website, pretty much. Uh, didn't show much. I I am extremely excited for that. Even if it's not an RPG, uh, I just really happy and I love. I can't wait because it's like these two amazing figures in the music rhythm genre are coming together, creating a game that. That's the thing when you played Prap of the Rap with the 20th anniversary remastered edition, uh, you can tell how old it felt. Like it was like everything's been better since then, and so it's really hard to put like that fresh coat of paint on it and expect it to be just as good as it used to be or as it was back then so making a modern game like that and this is apparently like an adventure game Ooh. so like you're going through a, an adventure using music as your weapon almost <laughs> so fuck man why not i am i am uh very curious to see how they're gonna what they're gonna do with that so it's not your typical like you know two people on a stage fighting each other back and forth with uh, lyrics or, or raps. So when you purchase this game, it's going to have two guitars and you have to face <sighs> off with someone. And you have to go through... It's actually... No, it's so it's actually got... Um, it's got a built-in GPS and it's it's like Pokemon Go and then you actually have to go outside with your guitar and go to different oh, okay. places and encounter other enemies uh, through... Uh, and you must pacify them with the power of music. Yes, you okay. must. You must always pacify with power So it's, it's Macross 7. Yes, right. that's what you do. And then you get mid-May, you've come across at one point. So that's it for our podcast. Man, that went a hell of a lot longer than I expected to with the amount of news we got. 
so yeah. Thanks, it's... Adam. <laughs> You're welcome. I think this is actually a perfect podcast for Friday fans. Yeah. It's great. So if you love my voice for some reason, this is a good podcast. We all love your voice. We Adam. love your voice. We love your voice. I think it's it's a perfect pod- podcast for Fire Emblem fans. Uh, but we got plenty of other stuff uh, in there as well. So yeah. Um, looking forward to this week. Is there anything really besides Fire Emblem Echoes that I can think of that we? Yeah, got? they have. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it, I think, at the last podcast, but uh, Akiva's Beat, uh, Babel, um, The Surge. And, yeah, those are the releases for the upcoming week. And uh, uh, Haku Kyoto wins. Oh, yeah, yes. that too. We'll have a review for that. With the uh, fans. Disguy 5 Complete, we'll have a review for that. Uh, I think it just needs to be, we have to just wait a little bit, and then we'll post that on the site. And so, uh, yeah, that, that should be exciting as well. Uh, Adam, who's, uh, who's your favorite Hakuoki, Adam? What's your favorite Hakuoki? The one with the sword. Same dude. I I, I do like that samurai dude. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what they all are. I, I'm, I'm, what's the other game I think I get? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dark. Was it Dark Rose or Black Rose? Uh, Dark Rose Valkyrie. Dark Rose Valkyrie. Yeah. Uh, that does not have a, um embargo at all. So uh, whenever Natalie, uh, who's reviewing that game for us, is done with that, we'll have a review. She's going to spoil the shit out of it. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, sometime yeah. this week. For people who don't know, Dark Horse Valkyrie is the one with the guy, the Tales artist, uh, Tales of Artist, uh, the old one. Uh, I don't know if he's, does he still draw for them? Uh, I don't. He did the he, he did the character art uh, for the for the for that game. So that's the Idea Factor game people don't remember. So yeah, we'll have, we'll have a review for that. Um, I'll probably have a review or two up. Utwa Romano. Uh, I have to start that game now because uh, I was too engrossed with Neo and I only got that a couple of days ago. So I review it as well. Yeah, Fujishima. He, I think he did. A, he does a couple of designs for each game still. Yeah, it's just, it's just not 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 often enough. Anymore. He, he, I think Grace is the last one where he did like all the characters. Yeah. No, like, no I think that's that's some, that's one of the other ones. I think I'm getting mixed up. He did. Yeah, anyways, he does a couple of designs for the yeah. games. Mostly box art. He's like the uh, Amano yeah. of the of the Tale series at this point. It seems. So yeah, to let you guys know where you can find us now that we're up and things up, uh, you can find us as always on RPGSite.net. You can find us on Twitter at RPG site on Facebook. And, you know, by the way, we're coming up on 50,000. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, Followers. Shit. Come on. Come on. Before you three. And then we got (laughs) Facebook.com slash RPG site net. Uh, You can always check us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash RPG site net. I've got the opening to Neo's uh, Dragon of the North DLC up on there. I I just posted that like yesterday. And then my continuing adventures in Valkyria Chronicles 3. Uh, More stuff coming soon. And then uh, you can find us on iTunes. Just search for TetraCast. And then on discord.me slash RPG site. Continues to grow. Uh, oh, and I should also mention... No, let's, let's get this out of the way first. Uh, where can you find you on Twitter, Josh? Uh, you can find me at HDKirin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Thank you. And Adam? Uh, K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Kinseda. And then you can finally find me at Zachary's. And I wanted to wrap things up by mentioning that we've got a new member on staff uh, as of today, in fact. Yeah. Uh, what's his actual name? It's Black Kite. That's all I know for his Twitter handle. Uh, he is a very good Japanese translator. And he's going to be helping us on the site, uh, translating a lot of news from Famitsu and Degeki and, you know, 4Gamer, all the Famitsu sites and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
so that we can kind of get get more on top of that stuff. I know people like to visit our site for news stories and also, you know, whenever we report on things on Twitter. Um, but we did feel like we could be more on top of it and, and you know, be better at uh, – translating that information and making sure that it's accurate as all hell um you know josh and aaron of course were great for that uh but now we have someone who's more dedicated to that stuff uh we'll have more details soon and of course he's already getting started on stuff for us so we're excited to see what he's got but you know he (laughs) if he's listening he's not but black guy you know uh we did mention him on twitter so uh you know be sure to welcome on on board with the staff um and you know anyone else listening we're always interested in people joining our staff just send us an email staff at rpgsite.net we're always willing to look at uh applications and resumes uh that's not a guarantee that you'll be hired but we're always open to looking for more people uh depending on your strengths so just wanted to throw that out there because alex always likes to remind me that we're always open for that so thank you everyone for listening to this podcast um it's been great i actually enjoyed this conversation quite a lot uh thank you adam thank you josh as always uh and for everyone else catch us next week for another edition of the tetracast bye everyone trails is so fucking confusing dude the more i look into it it's just fucked up